0: Surprise, Sidney. Corn syrup.
1: Same stuff they use for pig's blood and carry. I told you not to hang up on me. Oh, you want to play psycho killer? <laughs> Can I be the helpless victim? There's a formula to it. A very simple formula.
0: Everybody's
1: a suspect. Play bob and me was a wrong answer. Okay, let's see. No, please don't kill me, Mr. Ghostface. I want to be in the sequel. There are certain rules that one must abide
0: by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. welcome my name is matt and i'm here with andrew today we're going to be talking about the scream franchise including Wes craven and all the players involved and how it revolutionized the horror genre so grab your popcorn and reese's pieces and let's break it down on season two of the post-credit podcast they were really doing all these exercises and things like that they would want to bring attention to us so then people don't think it's a bunch of hooey you know hooey baloo yeah well you know people have got all kinds of ways to explain different things yeah uh do you want that light on no i'm good feel like it's too dark or anything i'm good i'd rather be dark be nice and dark dude this movie came out in 1996. Uh do you know that was 24 years ago oh i watched this movie i believe i watched it in the theater to be honest with you yeah i know but that's what i'm saying it's 24 years ago jeez I was in high school at the time. How old does that make me feel? I remember, I remember when these movies came out in high school. It was like, it was the thing to do because, you know, it was around Halloween, but it was like we, because we lived in such a small town that it was like the thing to do to go to the movie theaters or, you know, cruise the strip or, you yeah. know, go to a football game or whatever. But, you know, it was like going to these movies. You just, it was all about these scary movies and then going to haunted houses or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I suppose we should get into it. All right. Uh, Yeah, so today we're talking about uh, Scream. Um, I think we're primarily going to probably talk about just the first movie, but we're also going to be talking about all the other movies, too. I'm going to throw you for a loop on that one. Why is that? Because I want to talk about the third one, too. Well, I want to get into all of them, That's what I'm saying, but I want to concentrate more on the first one, just meaning um, the revolutionary turn that this horror movie brought all the horror movies that came afterwards yeah. because everything from 1996 to now all the horror movies that have come out the 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 popular horror movies pg-13 mainly it's all based off of screen yeah but, but and being meta well and, no it's it's the slasher you know i kind of disagree with you just a little bit on that because it is a it's a slasher film it's it's the quintessential you know Literal meaning of slasher yeah, film, I was talking about like know. urban legends that came out. I know what, what you did last yeah, summer. Yeah. You know it, all these different. Yeah, it's probably like the third or fourth uh revolution of of horror movies. You know, yeah, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That or, was back in the. 70s. So you had like Frankenstein and, and, yeah. and all that in the yeah, early. Yeah, yeah, that's you know what, what I'm, I'm saying. Wolfman, yeah, and everything. Third. And then in the 70s we had Chainsaw Massacre, and that's when you that started with the like 80s the slasher bit, type movies, and then you know. Uh also in the seventies, Michael Myers yeah. and everything. And then uh it wasn't until uh well, Kr- Kruger, Krueger uh, the the first nightmare came out in seventy eight. So No no no. It was I thought it was eighty four. I'm pretty Wait, sure. No, it was what 84. We were you No, no, uh the first Halloween, Halloween came out in seventy eight. Yeah, 78. yeah right. so you got Halloween came out and then the first uh Friday thirteenth came out in eighty one, I believe. Yeah. And then I believe nightmare Friday I four. believe Nightmare it was eighty four. So yeah. that was kinda like one of the Later ones, but that's because Chucky, Wes Craven took yeah, all of that nuance, all the all the things that made those movies successful, and and put his own little flair on it. Well, and and, and you know what's, I, I see what you mean. It's it was just the revolution of that time. You know, uh, like horror movies were just kind of. You know, nobody cared about him anymore. You know what I mean? If you, you notice when Scream came yeah, out, yeah, 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 and, they they had gone away. Yeah. It was all about sci fi action, different things like that. But horror was pretty much done. And and, and the same thing happened in, uh, in in the like middle, like maybe around 2005 or no, probably <laughs> around like 2008, 2009. That's when you really start getting from there on. You know, for almost ten years. You know you're getting into a lot of garbage horror movies that are just nothing nothing is 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 like standing out like the ring yeah. like in the early 2000s and and they, they weren't really grudge. horror movies i, I guess no. they were but like you, you had like you had a lot the of saws va- and had, stuff well yeah and you had vampire movies and you had zombie movies yeah. and stuff but i don't i don't know if i really consider that obviously they're horror movies but it's not like a, a, a singular. They're gore slashers. Yeah. There's different. types talking about the gores. singular killer stalker yeah. that's coming after yeah. somebody. You know, you you have your horror movie villains, right? You yeah. have your Michael Myers or Jason yeah. Voorhees, your uh, Freddy Krueger, all that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, everything had had kind of died down. I think the last, I mean, the I mean, Wes Craven hadn't done anything in a while. I mean, no. he did. I think he did Brandt, Vampire in Brooklyn and. Uh, something else, but he just wasn't doing too well. I mean, he tried new nightmare yeah. that was in the early '90s. But we got we got to admit that you know Wes Craven's you know what made him great and what made you know makes his name even known was Freddy Krueger. I mean, it just it just it is you know that's it, what put him on the map. That put yeah, him on I the mean, map. He it, still did like I think Last House on the Left right, and all that right. kind of stuff before that. But, but. He, I guarantee you, has a bigger audience for Nightmare on Elm Street than he does for anything else he's ever done. Yeah, I mean, God honest truth, and, and I'm not saying that you know I mean. Again, Scream was extremely popular, but it still does not uh, hold as much weight as Nightmare did and, and continues to even this day. You know, Nightmare, Jason, Michael Myers. I mean, that, you know, if, if you notice, if you notice, and here's the thing I've noticed with this is that, you know, I mean, we not only had the the Scream movies, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We're about to have another one from what I'm hearing. That's what I heard, too. And then also we have the Scream TV show, which there's like four seasons of already of the Scream television show. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's kind of carried over where, you know, you got you get it's 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 re, re uh, reigniting. Reigniting, but uh I was thinking more uh you know, when you throw something back up, uh uh, what, what regurgitating? Are, yeah, there we go. It's more regurgitating than anything else, I think. Because, I mean, you look at that one, like, like Scream, for instance. I mean, it's kind of like kicking a dead horse, you know. And same thing with, you know, Jason. I mean, how many movies have they made of Jason? And even worse with with Halloween movies. They are constantly keep putting out Halloween movies. I mean, if you were to count all of them up to nat- date, what, there's probably 15 at least. I mean, I mean again, with Jason, there's, you know, what we're up to 13, I think. Of Jason? Yeah. Something is it like, like 12 that. or 13 different movies. Well, let's see. Ten, Jason X was 10, which would mean uh, Freddy versus Jason was 11, and then they had the remake yeah. in the early 2010s. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was two thousand nine when it came out. Jared Padlackey. So, you know, well, yeah, so what's that twelve, I guess we've had. I don't yeah. think he's been back since then. Yeah. You know, and and the thing is is you see a lot of these even even Ghostface, you know, from Scream. Mm-hmm. You know, and then uh Michael Myers and uh Jason Voorhees and Chucky none of them I mean, it can literally be a the a different actor behind that. Every second of the film, mm-hmm. you know, you could uh, literally every second of the film have a different actor, and nobody know the difference. You know, where with Robert England, you kind of knew. It's all about the voice, yeah, you, because the, the yeah, voice, no the looks, yeah. It was he had the the makeup, but even it was, though his birds look different in every single movie, yeah. but, but but I mean, <laughs> depending again, on who was doing the yeah, makeup. but it, it still played it off. I mean, he's the only one that's really you know anybody really kind of recognizes. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that's what helped revolutionize this movie. Correct. Is that is that it could be anybody, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, to go over Wes Craven's past, I mean, he's done some of the, you know, the most classic horror films of all time. He, you know, he wrote and directed Last House on the on the, uh, on the left. He did uh, The Hills Have Eyes, Swamp Thing, Nightmare on Elm Street. You know, uh, he, he only did the first one. And he did um, uh, A New Nightmare. Which came out later, so he didn't do any of the sequels, which they make reference to in Scream. Whenever he said, uh, "I like," you know, the killer tells Casey, "I like that one." She goes, "Yeah, well, the first one was good, but the rest of them sucked." And, you know, that was a little, that was a little uh, jab in there by Wes yeah. Craven about yeah. like, you know, hey, my my nightmare was great, and then right. they turned him into yeah, my, my Dream Warriors happens to be my favorite of the the uh, Nightmare series. Dream so. Warriors, and that's that's a lot of. Freddie fans, that's their favorite. Is Dream Warriors? That's number three, right? Yeah, yeah. I and did like the, the one with the Roseanne and Tom Arnold. Oh, that one was that one is hated by. That's that's the, I know. That's the uh, no. I, I I'm being sarcastic when I okay. say I just thought it I was, was hilarious. Say. Where he gets the GameCube you yeah, know, or, or the, the, the Game, Game, Game Boy Glove or yeah, whatever the <laughs> gaming glove. What was it called for? Yeah, Freddie's Dead Final Nightmare. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one got to the point where you're just like, okay, hey, this is ridiculous. It I was a little like too that. much. So, yeah. but I mean, he had done all these classics. But like I said, you know, after that you know as we were getting into the 90s horror was dying and, and, and you just didn't have the scares anymore because you know it was the the chop them up and the uh, you know you know just you know it, people got tired of like the grisly murders and all that kind of stuff and, and it was just old you know and all the tropes it was like people got tired of going to the movies right and seeing um, what is it uh, you know, seeing seeing somebody running up the stairs instead of going out the front door. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. having sex and uh, and doing drugs and alcohol during the movie. You know, people got sick of watching these these Jason movies and these Freddy movies, where it's like, oh, these people are making the same stupid mistakes. And what made Scream so good is it addressed all those things that yeah. that that you know. It's like, okay, well, instead of trying to work around them or instead of trying to ignore them let's address them let's get meta about this let's make this a movie it's a study guide inside of a movie right or, or and it's a an an movie about scary movies yeah yeah so um so uh this is uh you know the, the scream franchise stretches over a couple decades yeah. and everything but the very first scream came out in 1996 and it was written and uh, it was written by uh, kevin williamson and directed by wes craven uh, what did what did uh, Kevin Williamson do before this? Do you know? I think he was a writer on a TV show yeah. or something. That sounds about yeah. Where, where did I see that? We'll I mean, you have to look it up. Maybe I mean, it not because I mean his first his first writing credit on IMDb is Scream. Yeah. Um, you know, and followed by this is the guy who wrote I Know What You Did Last Summer. He also wrote Scream Two and Scream Four. He wrote. It definitely had that feel, though, right? Teaching Mrs. Tingle, all these, all these, you know, um, young adults, uh, edgy, you know, late '90s, edgy. Uh, Oh no, no, it's all what I grew up with. It's all what I grew up with. I mean, it's it's when I was in high school, these were the movies that, you know, kept us entertained. And I mean, you just you can feel. With all those movies you were stating, you can just feel the same feel, you know, watching that movie as you do, you know, this, you know, I know what you did last summer and scream and stuff like that. You know, you know that same feel, you know, you got that same feel watching that movie. And, and I just think that, you know, it, it's it's and like you said, you know, it, it's an encyclopedia of knowledge about horror movies. I mean, everything everything down to the characters you know even every single character serves a certain role that all scary movies follow yeah and if there's one word to describe this series it's meta you know and they use that word so many times it's 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 addressing yourself but it's smart way to do that because yeah. that allows you to then still use those tropes right. that are in horror movies but to let everybody know, hey, we're aware we're using this, but yeah. we're trying to do things in a different way. These are the tropes that you need for a horror movie, but let us try to use it and give you a different, uh, a scare a different way. Or well, it's it it's like, be. I mean, they constantly are breaking the fourth wall in a way that that's not like directly breaking the fourth wall. Like... You know, it's, it's like in basically, part two when you have Dewey and Randy sit down yeah. and they're like, okay, well, what, what what is going on? So, you know, Randy breaks down. Oh, we can't do this. You may be a suspect. I may be uh-huh, a suspect yeah. and everything. So it's like it's doing all the things like like that me and you are sitting at this table doing yeah. in breaking down yeah. these movies. That's what they do during the movie. So that was pretty interesting yeah. that they did it that way. Well, and it, it, it's funny because they, they talk about it literally literally through all four movies they they reference this how they meta. Refer, yes and how meta it is and how how even the town of you know of um woodsboro borough woodsboro, yeah. feels like a hollywood set yeah so when you go to like the third movie and you actually see a hollywood set on the movie you know you're, you're kind of like okay this is exactly this looks like the set But it's actually probably what we saw in the first movie. It's probably literally the set of the first movie. Oh, where you see it in part three? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean. Now, here's the, well, and I think some of them were done on location because you just, like, at Stu's house at the end, you get to see, like, a, a long shot of where the town is. Yeah. You know, right before the credits kick in or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, it's stated outright by Billy Loomis. He says, you know it's it's you know whenever sydney says oh this isn't a movie and he goes yeah it is he goes this is all just one big movie yeah. You know so I mean it's outright stated by Billy now maybe he's talking about life or whatever but I mean it's it's basically outright stated by Billy right. that yes this is a movie and you know uh it's I don't know it's just it's it's a very unique uh, way to to look at it because audiences will go in being like uh you know like I said you know the reason that people were getting bored with it because it was the same tropes over and over yeah. and over so this movie said uh, okay well let's address those tropes let's do them better yeah and kevin williamson's script it made it just this phenomenal paced and written and 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 uh and uh, plotted out movie yeah. well it almost felt to me it almost felt like a reality tv show you know when it when it comes down to it like like the the people in the movie are all part of a reality tv show <laughs> right you know and it, the, the way that it's set up and everything you know you kind of almost think that Okay, maybe this is somewhat planned out, you know, and and, and we're gonna see a a, a uh, live audience behind them and just ca- catch a glimpse of it real quick. You yeah. Know? See, and then you get you get movies like uh, Halloween Resurrection where they had the cameras <laughs> and it was a real like, uh-huh. reality show, and even yeah. parts little little parts of Part Four, Scream Four has has those little nuances. I've, I've got to say this: I was like, please don't do that. Please don't yes. do shaky cam yeah. stuff. I've got to say this: that I think the one thing. And this is a little bit off topic, but the one thing that I think has ruined horror movies since like early, early 2000s, anything after that is just garbage. I think what's ruined it is these cameras inside of the movie you know, like paranormal activity. footage. Yeah. I mean, and granted our generation started it with Blair witch project, you know, but, but see the unique thing about that is it only works once. It did. But that that's the problem is that they think it works every single time now yeah. where it's it, they, literally the Blair witch Pro- project took away that, that, uh, that idea of it. Well you what's know. scary about that idea is that you don't know if it's real. So if you know that it's fake, you know that it's a found it's actually called a found footage horror movie or whatever, you know it's fake and it immediately takes all the scariness out of it and then you're just watching cool trick cameras, you know yeah. trick trick photography and everything. What was good about the Blair Witch Project is because the way they marketed it, nobody had any idea these, were, was. these were actors. Yeah, exactly. Nobody had any idea that these weren't real people as far as the way it was marketed. And when you were first went and watched it, it the, the, the world, even news channels and stuff, were like wondering if this was some kind of a snuff film yeah. that somebody had found, footage or yeah. whatever. And so, it, and then it wasn't until like, I think a couple months after it came out, you saw the three people that were in that movie. I can't even remember their names now. Yeah. They showed up at the MTV movie Awards yeah. and yeah. stuff, and I then then that. that kind of took the whole shade of is it real down. And you're like, okay, well these 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 people were just actors. In well, it. that's kind of like well, the Sixth Sense. It never worked yeah, after that. Exactly. It's like yeah. watching the Sixth Sense. You can't watch it again. You yeah. really can't. Once the genie's out of the bottle, it, it then is, it's out of the bottle. And I personally, again, I know it's off topic, but that I I truly believe that has ruined horror movies. Um, ever since that they started doing that. I think it just... You think they, found they overkill like shaky cam or just the found footage type format? I mean, a like little bit quarantine of both, really. and, and The shaky cam, I, I don't like any of that stuff because yeah. to me it feels like it's just... Let's throw a, a camera inside a camera, and then we can save a buttload of movie because we don't have to have the, the screen perfect or the quality of the, the picture perfect. You yeah, know? It's, I get it. you got to be more realistic and everything, and it creates tension. He feels like you're in the middle of it. Yeah. But, I mean, like it goes along with the same thing where uh, Michael Caine was telling Christian Bale when he actually took a nap and wanted to be woken up right before the they the, the, the yelled action in that Batman movie when he yeah. was waking up in bed. Yeah. He goes, well, you know, I just want to make sure that I want to be, like, really asleep and, you know... All this kind of stuff. And uh, and Michael Caine's like, have you ever tried acting? <laughs> you know, you're just like, like there, there's an acting. <laughs> people go to the movies to, to not have this crazy realistic experience. Yeah. They expect to see cinema. So yeah. that's whenever you have like the shaky cams. I'm yeah.
1: like,
0: uh, maybe some people like it. It right. gives me a headache. And I'm just like, I, I want to see cinema. I know that this yeah. is a movie. Show it to me. You create that tension in a different way than going like this and, with the camera. And I think what's you know like what's great with Scream, right? Is that it has a way of of adding comedy to a slasher horror film that doesn't basically put it into the category of being you know horror slash comedy or comedy slash horror you know that it's actually still a horror movie even though it, it still makes you get, gives a little bit of comedy there you yeah. know what I mean like like I mean you got certain characters Matthew Lillard you got the guy that played um, um, uh, Randy. Oh, Ray, yeah, you know, Jamie what's his G- name? Jamie Kennedy. Jamie Kennedy. But but you got those actors, you know, that that really can can do that. You know what I mean that they you know it's just kind of uh I'm just trying to think I mean, Jamie Kennedy pretty much acts that same role in pretty much everything. But you know, it it's same, the same Jamie thing with Kennedy met, project, remember? Yeah. His punked ripped off rip off <laughs> the know. Jamie Kennedy project or whatever. <laughs> but uh no, it, it's just, it, what that's what's great about Scream is that it does pull off a little bit of comedy. And same thing, you know, Wes Scream has been doing this forever. You watch Freddy Krueger, it's the same situation where it's like, I mean, Freddy Krueger slashes somebody's throat and, and he's laughing about it, but there's other people laughing too. Yeah, and he did that a little bit in the first movie, but it wasn't really like... I don't know, and, and he, he wrote that. He wrote The First Nightmare and there wasn't a whole lot of comedy to it. Well part no, part two was ridiculous. Right, and he didn't yeah, write that I know, though. I know. But but I think what you're getting there is is all from Kevin Williamson because if you know, some of his scripts you look at like the faculty yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, disturbing behavior, all these right. different movies that he did, you know, just it's like you know, he has he has his hand on the pulse of the teens of that right. that day, the, the young people of that day. Who now? Now, Wes Craven or <coughs> no, Kevin, Kevin Williamson? Williams? Yeah, but you, you know, you kind of see. I, I've heard things about you know Wes Craven how he is very stickler about certain things. You know, like when he writes scripts and stuff, he literally lets nobody watch it until he is complete. Right, but, but he didn't mean? write the script. I, I know, but what I'm saying is like I just kind of feel like that kind of personality wouldn't give him such a free reign, especially somebody that has not really done anything else. And I'm sure he does like point. what what a lot of directors do. They, I don't want to film this scene. I don't like that line or whatever. They'll cut little things here and there, you know, based on what they're allowed to do and everything. I think a lot of it, a lot of the humor, a lot of the um, the, the way it connected with younger audiences, that has to do with Wes, uh, with uh, Kevin Williamson and the, the scaring of audience audiences that you know you know this younger generation that hadn't seen Freddy or any of these and weren't used to horror movies cuz this industry or yeah. the, the the horror genre had died down at that point then they see uh, a movie that's written by somebody like Kevin Williamson who's such a great writer and 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 can not only write good stories but good scripts you know dialogue and and pacing and all that and then you merge that with a director a horror director like Wes Craven a legend yeah. I mean, it just blew these new audiences away that didn't like you and I grew up with watching these horror movies, right. you know, even though they came before us or whatever. But, you know, one of the smartest things I think this movie did uh, before it was even a movie is is the way it marketed it. And it marketed it yeah. with uh, Drew Barrymore as the lead. Yeah. And she was perfect for that start, that role that she had, and I think pretty much all like the trailers and marketing was all around that first scene, right? Yeah. Like yeah. Nev Campbell was barely in any of the marketing. She yeah. was, she was this you know new actor from you know Party of Five, and she had. But you know, admired. you know, they talk about this in the fourth one, right? In the fourth movie, they they kind of bring this up about having, you know, how they're, the the is, like killing in order of of the original where it's like you get the hot girl at the front, you know, and then then you, and then you get the, you know, the, the boyfriend or who was it? Uh, what is it? The hot girl at the front. And then the next person that dies is usually, well, in every scream movie, the person you're the, the person that's starting off the scene, you know, is going to die. Is going to die. So that and and and, and you Drew didn't, Barrymore set that one off. Yeah, and you didn't know that before this movie came out. And then every subsequent movie, you know, the 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 writers and the director, they didn't right. have to address it because you knew coming in, yeah. whoever we're seeing first, yeah. that's who's getting hacked off. Literally, probably the most famous act a- actor in. And the whole movie is Drew Barrymore. Yeah, but, I mean, with, even more more so than David Arquette and yeah. Courtney Cox, they were still TV actors. David yep. Arquette had been around for a while, did a few things. But, I mean, you know, you, mainly you had this movie filled with team act, uh, teen actors, or not teen actors, TV actors, and you had Drew Barrymore, who was like a legend from when she was younger doing horror movies and everything. So the fact that this started out with Drew Barrymore – um, and with her completely getting killed off because this, this movie and the marketing and made it look like Drew Barrymore's character was the final girl. And for those of you that don't watch a lot of horror movies, uh, final girl, that's a term, uh, used to describe basically, it's usually a female uh, that that makes it to the end of the movie and is Jamie the Lee that, Curtis, the one that finally kills and 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 overcomes the uh, the the killer or the threat or whatever. That's the final girl. She's like the, Jamie Lee Curtis is the quintessential final girl. I mean, yeah, yeah, Quintessential screen, uh, scream, scream, scream queen slash final girl. Because I mean, literally, scream. Queen. She is the one that always escaped. Yeah. Always, you know, but no she's matter what. Got that scream. Yeah, exactly. She is. A, I mean, she really is like the quintessential, you know. Squ- screen queen, you know, uh, of and final girl. But yeah, with um, with this movie, like Nev Campbell, I, th- I think she did an outstanding job in this movie because she, you know, she didn't seem like, you know, she played the 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 victim because in one of the movies, I can't remember if it was the third or the fourth one, but she was I think it was the fourth one. Talking right about the, Drew Barrymore? Yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, Nev Campbell's okay. character, how she's always the victim. You know what I mean? Like through all these movies, she's always been l- labeled as the victim. I think it was her niece, uh, no, Emma Raft. Roberts' character, was saying something, huh? Are you talking about just scream movies? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, just okay. scream, the fact that that um, I, she was saying, you know, somebody was saying in the movie, you know, I think it was her niece, but I'm saying, like she wasn't a victim in Wild Things. No, no, that's well, for sure. I mean, she came I, out no. on top on that. She, oh, well. she was the mastermind behind that. I know, but I, I'm saying like in spoiler the, alert, yeah, I'm saying like in the scream movies, you know, she's always playing the victim, you know, she's like, like I think she always gets made to be the victim. I wrote some things down and, and, and because these movie is so set up as basically explaining horror movies and how to basically survive horror movies. I mean, that's the name of them. If the movie wasn't called scream, it should be how to survive horror movies, Right? you know, scary movies, whatever. But, you know, and even all the characters, like you were saying before, even the characters serve certain roles that all scary movies have. You know, and I wrote some of them down, and I changed the names. You know what a lot of people would reference them. You know, like um, Sydney, who's you know you, you always have the heroine that that's always having to be saved or something like that. But I always said all the always chased is Sydney. You mm-hmm. know, um, the savior is always going to be be Dewey. Mm-hmm. Um, the one who always needs redemption is Gale. the The fourth wall breaker is Randy. Um, the always accused is Cotton. And the one who uh, starts everything, basically, is Sid's mom, you know, in the long run. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. She, uh, oh, man, Maureen, she's she's had a rough time of it. You <laughs> find out over, over the I course. I mean, she really hasn't. I mean, she's, uh, everybody else is suffering. Well, what I know, mean because is, because like, over the, uh, the course of three or four movies, she just gets being, she gets made worse and worse and worse. And yeah, but until the third finally kind of, in the of end. Rede- rede- redeemed, though, if you think about it. Kind third of, but kind of not redeemed. really. I mean, she still, I mean, yeah, she, she was she had a traumatic traumatic event happen to her in Hollywood before the movie the events of the movie started and uh but she, you know she went on to you know be very promiscuous and everything and not that I'm saying that, that that that's what leads to murder or anything yeah. but i mean you know it, it it pissed some people off and and it got more and more to where you're like oh this chick she had some kind of a reputation you know she lived quite yeah. a life I, as we learn in you know in the third one yeah. Um, you know, she even even uh even Sid says it, you know, she says, you know, like basically that her mother caused everything. You know, that what w- she asked her father, you know, hey, what what if mom, you know, never did this or never did that, or you know, if mom never uh did what she did, kind of thing like that, you yeah. know. And, and and it's like if you think about it. If her mom would have kept it in her pants, then uh, everything would have been fine and dandy. But then again, we wouldn't have these movies, you know. We wouldn't have, yeah, we got to tell a story, right? Right, right, right. So, uh, Scream uh, came out in 1996. It was directed by uh, Wes Craven. Uh, Kevin Williamson wrote it. Uh, It starred, uh, the the very first movie, it starred uh, Drew Barrymore, uh, uh, Roger Jackson. He plays uh, the voice. Um, you also have uh, Neve Neve Campbell, Skeet Ulrich, uh, um Nave. Courtney Cox, uh, Rose McGowan, David Arquette, Matthew Lillard. Uh, these were all the the stars of the first one. And and the way this movie came about is Kevin Williamson. Uh, he was um, it, back in 1990. There was a guy named um, Oh gosh, what was his name? River Phoenix. No, uh, not James. That was the father. Was it Dennis? I can't remember. There was a there was a guy. He, he was he was nicknamed the uh, the uh, Gainesville Ripper, um, and uh, that was uh, that was uh, something that happened in Florida, in Gainesville, Florida. Um, there was a guy, uh, Danny Rowling, that was his name. Um, he uh, went to a uh, a uh, university and killed. Uh, That's was something like five people over three days. Um, and uh, and he wasn't even caught for it. He, he got arrested for something else and he copped to it whenever he got arrested. Say, so, hey, by the way, I killed all those people. And uh, it, it was known as the Gainesville Ripper. Well, it was given Kevin Williamson some nightmares. He thought, you know, something something like that might happen to him. Um, and he decided to write this movie uh, Scream about somebody who goes after, you know, mostly, you know, women. Uh, uh teenage women or whatever In in real life it was college and here in the movie it's high school um as I, as we said before the the movie was marketed uh with Drew Barrymore being the lead um but uh that's not the case so she's in about the first 15 minutes so that's the first scene about 10 15 minutes something yeah. like that um would you say this is the best opening to any horror movie of all time I don't know uh I don't know. Freddie versus Jason was pretty good <laughs> as an opening. Yeah, I kind of actually really like that one to be honest with you. <laughs> well, Freddie versus Jason—that was more just Freddie kind of talking about what happened. Because they're forgetting about him, and, yeah. ja- and and so he has to get somebody that's kind of lives between both worlds, right? And, so he gets so that Jason. He can wake up, but yeah. I mean, you don't really get to see anything that happened. It's just like suddenly he appeared on a street and then the movie started out that yeah. was weird well the things that were the, the ones that used to freak me out were hellraiser because i mean those the beginning of those movies are that's where all the, the, the <laughs> yeah the stuff that i don't watch i but don't yeah I, I i i don't watch it anymore don't get me wrong i mean mm-hmm. when i was younger i watched stuff like that but um a little bit not too young mom yeah but just saying I, I i i don't like getting into like you know stuff that is really heavy on demonic stuff and you know I think that's pushing it too much for me but um you know it's it's a nightmare on elm street the very first west craven nightmare on elm street i mean what did you think of that the first time you saw i mean the whole opening in a boiler room yeah you had what's her name with the the nightgown on and you're like what is this chick doing with a nightgown in this what looks like in a, a factory or a warehouse yeah. boiler room or yeah. whatever like And that whole thing with uh, Screech, you know, him scraping his claws against it, you know. I mean, you have certain horror movie openings that are just, like, chilling. Yeah, I mean, you know, and a lot of them, you know, that's one good thing with, with, uh, or one of the many good things with uh, Wes Craven is that the guy had had a way of, you know, I mean, he had theme songs for his scary movies. Yeah, You know what I mean? You know, it's like, and and, I mean, even even The Scream, I mean, when, when that movie first came out, it was crazy because, you know, it was around Halloween time, so... Basically, I remember I it was December. Actually, okay, September. well, it was right e- near e- Halloween. Either way, like right after that, then you know that first year after that, everybody was those char- that character Ghostface for Halloween. It was Very popular. It was very very popular. It, I had one. I think that that first year, that's who I was. Yeah, I think I think Ghostface. you're right. Actually, I remember getting one of those Ghostface. Yeah. I I'd done Jason with a hockey mask before that, and excuse me, and then uh, and then it was Ghostface after that. But yeah, I just think. I mean, another opening that comes to mind is My Soul to Take. I don't know if you've ever yeah. seen it. It came out like 2010. It's one of Wes Craven, oh. Craven's later movie. But the the start of that movie where you got the guy and he's watching the police report about this serial killer and then he finds this knife that, that the news described as the serial killers and he's like, what the heck? And then he kind of flips it like he knows how to use it and then he's like, what? Yeah. And then suddenly it flashes and he's in the bathroom. and He's like, how did I get in the bathroom? And then you start to find out and he calls his doctor and he's like, it's happening again. You find out he's got split personality and one yeah. of his personalities is the killer yeah. and he's with his wife and he's like, oh my God, I don't want to let this personality take over while I'm at the yeah. home with my wife and my kids and stuff. And then there's that whole scene. I won't say what happens in it, but it was a, it was like a heart pumping, uh, opening. I was like, man, this is going to be a And then the rest of the movie was terrible, terrible. What was it? Because then it was just kids, and it was just one random kid. Because then what happened when he died? Like I guess all his personalities split and went into like seven babies or eight babies that were born that night or whatever. But the 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 premise of the movie, the beginning of the, it was a good opening. So this opening, it's so iconic. Everybody's seen it, you know. The it starts off. It says scream, and it's not even in like the titles that we're used to. It's just scream, and then suddenly the phone's ringing, and she's picking it up, and we're into it. You know, the, the, you know, usually there's a little bit of setup in horror movies or whatever, but, I mean, we hear the killer's voice, bam, within the first five, ten seconds. Um, and so, and it's a chilling voice and everything, and, uh, you know, she's making popcorn, and the popcorn sets on fire, and, you know, she's talking to this guy, played by Roger Jackson, and actually, Nev Campbell... And who and, makes popcorn like that nowadays? I well, mean, uh, on, yeah, now. you know, you got Jiffy Pop on them, uh, but, I mean, in the late 90s, that, yeah. that might have been easy to make or whatever, but... You know, Nev Campbell and Drew Barrymore, they didn't actually meet Roger Jackson, who played the voice uh, of the killer. Um, until after filming you know, and Drew Barrymore's case after she was done yeah. filming that first scene when she was done with the movie or yeah. whatever. but um, they, 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 they and West Craven didn't want them to meet it because the it, it voice was scary. They, yeah, they want, they want to just hear the voice and th- them not to know what the person looks like. I mean, the right. guy could be like a four foot eight uh, um, person with a balding man that's it's, about 50 years old. He's kind of like an average weight, average looking guy yeah. a little overweight and you know he's just yeah. not, not, not intimidating looking at all. You know, if you look him up, it's it's just, you know, got glasses and everything. Kind of yeah. looks like um, uh, uh, Dave Filoni. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it kind of looks like that. But yeah. anyways, uh, so, I mean, it starts off with this whole thing. And, and you know, what's, what's cool about this movie is it's not just uh, a killer that's after them or, you know, you have a named killer. Like, you know who it is. Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger, Charles Lee Ray. Yeah. You know, uh, Leatherface, Chucky, Charles ha- Lace, Leatherface kind of had Leatherface, but that's just what his brother or whoever it was that called him, Leatherface. And so, yeah. I mean, it's just like you have these names. Yeah. But with this one, it was not only an unknown killer, but the scene after this first scene where they get killed, when the kids are all talking by yeah. the water fountain, when they're like speculating, well, uh, was it you? Oh, but it was you. I wonder who did it. Then that kind of told you, okay, this is a whodunit movie. Yeah. And as we've talked about with our *Knives Out* review, I love whodunit type movies where you have to find out yeah. who the. Kids. So I mean, most of the movie is your your brain is preoccupied with who is it, who's behind that mask. So whereas other movies, you know, you know who it is. It's just some scary machine that's that's not an unstoppable machine that's coming to kill you, and everything. And with this one, it could be anybody. It could be the person right next. And they have you have to be have to have really smart writing to be able to not have anybody pick out who it is you know the obvious choice is going to be the boyfriend right yeah. The, yeah the moody boyfriend who who wants a little you know wants to get frisky with her wants to do a little too much or whatever you you, you start to think uh, you know skeet ulrich is a certain type of looking guy you know where you are just yeah. like ah oh, there's something weird about this person everything so that's like, you know, you have your obvious one and then you have your where did that come from? Yeah. And that's that's what uh, Matthew Lillard's um, stew came from. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I just I don't I don't know. I, I think that that the, this is probably, I think, the best opening for a horror movie of all time. I think it's I think it's one of the uh, definitely one of the most iconic um I think it's Evil, at least Evil Dead's my pretty favorite. Good, yeah and the, you know you have e- Evil Dead 1 and the your Evil Dead remakes and stuff like that but um I don't I don't think there's a lot that you know I think I think Scream has earned its place in in that ranking as far as being you know uh as as terrifying as, as it is. So yeah. I mean let me think. Because as far as I mean, how would you classify the movie? I mean, you, you said it was like more of a, a whodunit, right? But I mean, would, wouldn't it be a slasher still? I think, it, yeah, it's uh, still a slasher. But I mean, the, the, with most slasher movies, you're, you're just you're just kind of waiting in anticipation for them to defeat him or run away or yeah. get away from And him, a lot of right? times you, you'll, you'll mix in with a little bit of supernatural into yeah, that. Too, but it's not you know? very often you're you're spending pretty much the whole movie trying to guess who it is yeah. that's killing him. So, I mean, that's why that's what I think made, you know, a part of what made it unique. I, I think it falls in a weird category, too, because, you know, I mean, nowadays, like, you do have your slasher movies, but there's somewhat supernatural feel to them. There's, you know, Freddy Krueger goes only into your dreams, and Jason, for some reason, never dies. Michael Myers is is kind of a conundrum, I think. Chuck e, Supernatural, you know, but mo- most of these type of slasher films are usually somewhat supernatural. You don't really have, like, a... You know, it'll slowly, you know, the more you get to, like, a serial killer feel, it goes more into, like, the thriller feel rather than a slasher horror movie feel anymore, you know? And it's a a true slasher horror movie, you know? I mean, there's you really don't see that anymore. I mean, like, maybe Last House on the Left, you know, certain (laughs) things like that where there's no real supernatural feel to it anymore, you know what I mean? It's genuinely a slasher movie where we're like you know Saw does a fun you know that's kind of more of a uh, what, what do they call it a, a bondage horror movie they or call something. it torture porn yeah there we go yeah and they even mention <laughs> it in they they Scream 4 screen, yeah but I mean yeah that's what it was I mean hostile Yep, Yeah. Uh, exactly. So all, all those all those different I know what you movies. did last summer, you know, all those movies fell into that category, you know. You know, it is just it's uh, well, I, I think I, I don't know what you did last summer. I think that's more a kind of around scream and everything, but I mean, No, that's what I'm saying. It's it's, it's yeah. more like scream. Yeah, it's just, you know, and now of course, urban for, legends for the last too. decade, we've just had nothing but the demonic haunting Poltergeisty type stuff where it's just like you know the Conjuring and it's uh, we're in Conjuring Part eighty seven now. I mean it's just there's so many. Uh, they're going apart. No, I see. I, I would knock those movies. Those are I think the only good movies that come out in the last ten years of Conjuring. But I mean and it's about, all about haunted dolls and, and the nun was and, and freaky. Yeah, and and. Uh, uh, Yalorona or you La know, La D- La Rona something like or that. Something. You know, we're we're too white to pronounce that. But I mean it's just it's one of those things where it's like all these movies and none of them are smart. It's all about getting the jump scares and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Whereas this movie, yeah, there were jump scares, there's a lot of them, and there's a lot of fake jump scares in it. But it was still fresh back then so you know i, I you can't knock it for that and it still has some legitimate thrills because i mean even if you're not scared by the jump set you're still kind of engaged into the story you're still engaged on who did it who did what and the, and the story so the story of scream is uh, we'll just state out right here is that the the there uh what what made this unique and what made it kind of uh have its little twist ending uh, was that there was two killers instead of one and you know, you expect Ghostface ghost face just to be one Has there ever been a movie where you think it was one and it was actually two killers? I'm sure there. Uh, is. Yeah, I mean I'm sure there is but uh, you know, it's just not on the top of our heads right now but I mean that's that's one of these things that made it unique especially with this um, This younger generation this this teenage generation that that these horror movies are taking place around but Basically, what it is is uh, the, the two killers uh, end up being Stu Mocker and Billy Loomis. Um, Billy Loomis, the reason that he wanted to do all this is because uh, he found out that his dad uh, stepped out on his mom and was sleeping with Sydney's his girlfriend, mom. Sydney's mom. Yeah. Um, and um, that's the reason his mom left him. And so he was so angry that he wanted to kill uh, um uh, Sydney's mom Maureen Prescott uh, you find out in later movies that she's had a past but we'll get into that um, but as far as this movie goes right now she was married to Sid Sydney's dad and they had what uh, I, I gleaned for it was some kind of a happy marriage and then suddenly she started stepping out on him um, she slept with Billy's dad she slept Cotton. with Cotton Weary And it could have been other people. The the, the thing is, is, you know, like Sydney's best friend tells her, you know, there's you hear rumors, you know, that you can only hear rumors so many times before you start to believe, you know, they're they're probably true. And so her mom kind of had a bit of a, um, you know, she had uh, a bit of a stain about her throughout the town and everything. Um, Scarlet letter. Right, right. So what happened was Billy, you know, his his best friend is Stu. And I don't know if they just became friends when they decided to do this or if they were always friends. And he's like, hey, you want to turn psychopath with me? And uh, Stu's just like, sure, why not? Uh, but it was pretty unique that you have two psychopaths willing to murder people that happen to be best friends at the same school in the same town in well, the same uh, friend group uh, as, as the, the mother of who's you know, the person that you're going to kill or well as we found out that you know they like this kind of chemistry in at least 3 of the 4 movies you know cuz it was exactly the same through every single movie except for part 3 where there was always two killers right. you know kind of situation yeah so i mean basically they put this plan together they're like okay we're going to watch a lot of scary movies and i don't know why they made scary movies a part of it uh, you kind of find out in part three, but I don't know if Billy knew Maureen's history or whatever. But anyways, Billy decided to make it centered around scary movies and what to do in a scary movie because he he was going to be the one that's going to be a slasher. Um, so um, he uh, he decided to uh, yeah, right, bro. yeah no right. Um, so he the got with, with Stu, and they did a lot of research with movies and stuff, and they ended up killing Maureen, Sydney's mom, a year before the movie starts. And then the movie starts a couple days before the anniversary of when Maureen's uh, killed, and that's when they killed the first one in Casey Becker, played by Drew Barrymore. Um, did you, do you, do you get the sense that... How do I want to ask? Well, this? Do you you know why this was such a controversial film when it came out because it was really close to what happened in Colorado, like uh, around that time period the Colorado happened, and so they they did give a lot of crap for this movie because it was um, you know the um, the Columbine thing, you know it was very close to within the the same you know, couple within a few years of Columbine. I thought that was the second movie Uh, i think that was the second movie because this was 94 96 96 i thought and columbine happened in like 97 98 didn't it uh i think it might have happened before that let me see um but uh from what i heard there was a lot of uh uh controversy because of it uh everything you know uh Oh well, actually Massacre was a, she a oh, it was in 99. Yeah, that's right. okay. Uh, so what happened was uh, that's why um, uh, so Kevin Williams is basically his his uh, part three because the only the only scream that Kevin Williamson didn't write was part three. and uh, and what he was gonna do is have like this this mass group of teenagers or younger people followers. Um, yeah. Of Ghostface um, come after Sydney. It was going to be a bunch of people. Yeah. But then Columbine happened yeah. and it was a little too close. It was something, yeah, something like that with the controversy. Yeah. And that right. was his idea, but then they brought in Aaron Krueger, who I believe right. wrote Freddy versus Jason or he's like one of the writers yeah. or whatever, but um, brought him in to, to write. And then Kevin Williamson's idea actually got turned into a TV show. Do you know which TV show I'm talking about? A group of followers. Oh, The Following. The Following. Yeah, with Kevin Bacon. That was an that amazing was show. Also that created by me off also created ended. by Kevin Williamson. But I mean, that's that's that was like basically his plan for part three. Yeah. they turned that into basically. Oh, they, awesome. I guess it had a lot of the elements of what he was planning on doing yeah. for part three. But um, now, out of all four screen movies, what's your favorite? Um. Oh, part one. I mean, one's got to be it. My my, I actually had a guilty guilty pleasure favorite. I really liked three for the longest. No, time. I was about to say three is my favorite because okay. it rewrites one. Yeah, and most people say that that's the worst, and most people don't like it. But in like true it. usual fashion, form, you and I yeah. end up liking the one that. I, I literally think that it rewrites the first one and it makes up with some of the mistakes that the first one made. In in the not so much in like. The writing of the directors or the writers of the film, but in just some of the mistakes like some of the characters actually make in the first one where they don't make so many of them in the third one. Like they just seem a lot like especially with Sydney, you know, she seems like a lot stronger character. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was near the end there that she was actually the one rescue rescuing Dewey and Gail. Yeah, it's just that the tone shifts on that movie a bit and, and like, like quite a bit it shifts but like objectively I could say part one is the best one but subjectively my yeah. favorite I'm not even sure anymore because I used to not like two at all really and then as i watched it again i was like "This is actually an okay movie you know i, I didn't mind it as much i don't like who the killers were but um <laughs> but you gotta admit i mean laurie metcalf anything she does is amazing you yeah. know and, and and just i thought she played she always plays kind of a, a good crazy kind of person you know what i mean even on roseanne she was she's a little bit loony there but um, and andy's mom yeah andy's and toy mom. store well here it with with part one first um you know, let, let's, let, let's talk about... The, let's just finish that opening scene real quick. Um, what I liked about this... Uh, another thing I liked best about this is it showed that... Um, I, I remember what I was going to ask you. But it, it showed that uh, the killer likes the game, right? So she's going out to kill... Or she's going out to check on her boyfriend who's tied up on the chair and in the back patio. She unlocks and opens the door, right? And... If the killer wanted to kill her, perfect opportunity right there. It could kill her. But he actually tells her, I wouldn't do that if I were you. And she closes it and locks it again. And so you could see that he likes the game that they're playing. And it's not just about, you know, making a name for yourself. It's about truly terrifying. Because, I mean, nobody else, you know, obviously they don't know we're watching this movie. Nobody else is going to see this murder. It's not like they're taping it like they do in part four or whatever. So who cares that he's playing with it? It's just a sadistic the way to mess with them to terrify them before they they end up killing them because i mean you got like jason he doesn't really play with them he just goes after him and kills yeah. him same thing with michael myers i think it's more i think it's more of it's not so much a game to them i think it's more of a situation where they're in the movie they're in a horror movie okay the 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 killers feel like they're part of a horror movie right. and they want all these people to act a certain way it's it's almost like he's trying to correct horror movies and correct how people act and do things in horror movies that automatically get him killed but he's being playfully funny with it like he, I'll like, be like, back like a horror movie villain might do and yeah. just enjoying it because like you know Billy says later on it's all one big movie so yeah maybe he he really sees himself as a horror movie and he's conducting his own horror movie or, or yeah. whatever because I mean he he even helps him you know like say uh, you know, things like, hey, you know, I wouldn't lock that or I wouldn't go there or uh, don't don't, you know, I dare you to come outside. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like it's like it's it's kind of one of those things where it's he's in his own horror movie. And he's kind of directing this horror, his own horror movie, you know, and, and, and he happens to be the killer. But, you know, people are really dying and things like that. But it's kind of like he's in, in his own movie directing his own movie, his own horror flick. And he happens to be the murderer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I want to go through this too as we talk about it and talk about the, since there's multiple killers, um, I want to talk about each kill. Like, okay, so Casey, who, who actually killed her? So was it Billy or Stu inside the suit? It was Stu. You think it was Stu? Yeah.
1: Hmm.
0: Why do you think it's Stu? Because I I don't think like she kind of, the way she acts around him, I mean, that's her boyfriend and everything, you know, but it's like, uh, uh, wait, wait, you're, th- you're talking about Drew Barrymore, right? Yeah, Casey oh, at the very oh, beginning. I think it was both of them. You think it was both oh, of yeah, them? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So and the next day, when they were talking at the water fountain, uh, Tatum, played by uh, Rose McGowan, she says, and she's Stu's girlfriend, she says that she he was with her that night. Yeah. So I always thought that that was just Billy by himself, and uh, that allowed Stu to have an alibi. And then when Billy went to jail, and then Stu called... Yeah. Sydney, yeah. That was Billy's alibi. He was in jail and Stu called her. So, you know, creating alibis for each other. But I have, you know, a huge fan theory does say that this was done by both of them because the the um what do you call it uh the mechanics and 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 uh, the the way it was all laid out in that first scene it had to have been both of them because you know who's running around the front who's in you know who's dragging Stu in his chair and all this kind of stuff um i just did i you know i think that the next king the, the next scene kind of confirms that Stu wasn't even there that uh-huh. he was with tatum because she obviously said he was with me last night, and she's probably obviously thinking at the time that the murders happened. But, I mean, it could have been later in the night. Because even uh, afterwards, Randy says, was that before or after you blah, 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 blah. And so, I don't know. It could have been. But yeah. but great opening scene. Um, I think it's a good after, right after that scene, I think it's a good false red herring when uh, Billy visits Sydney. Yeah. Uh because he's showing he's showing you that it's Billy the whole movie. Yeah. He's giving you things to doubt that it is, yeah. but he's actually showing you that it is. Uh you know that that he, that he the the twist is Stu. The twist yeah. is the fact that there's a second person and that it's Stu. Mm-hmm. Um and, and which helps to allow for alibis, but did did you notice what song was playing when he snuck into Sidney's in room and they started making out in the bed? Uh uh-uh don't fear the reaper oh yeah yeah so they're making out and he's like don't fear the reaper baby i'm your man and all this kind of stuff and it's like i mean and the ghost face looks like the grim reaper and everything so i mean it's it's so so laid on thick but you just don't you don't notice it at first yeah and and the thing is too is like uh, you got to get to that point where you're like okay you know billy's really not I mean, Billy's crazy, don't get me wrong. Billy's a little insane. But Stu is a little bit more crazier because I mean, why what is his his reasoning? I wanted for to get into murdering that with people. you. Because obviously with Billy it's revenge. Oh he, he, so wholeheartedly. It's not like he, he was going on a huge killing spree and was gonna do this forever. He wanted Maureen dead. And Sidney was acting a certain way with him. And yeah. that made him think of Maureen, I think. And so he wanted to kill her, too. Now, obviously, they didn't have to kill everybody else. But like no. you said, you know, they went into a horror movie. I just felt like, like Billy's part in it was more about revenge. Whereas Stu just went off the deep end. Yeah, no, 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 he did. I mean, just especially when you know, like when they're stabbing each other at the end, you know, of the first of the first one, and you're just like, I mean, that was hard to watch. It really was when they just start like yeah, trying to hide and cover it you all. They're psychopaths. I know, I know, but it was just like the fact that he was like, he's like, all right, stab me right here. Oh man, you went too deep, and it was just like you know, like a somebody that would be you know shooting basketball with their buddy, buddy but these guys are stabbing each other you yeah, know to, uh, like, to cover like, up murders i think you got a little too deep i think yeah. i'm dying here man yeah you know and you're a sitting little there little like lose-y. but you know it's it's yeah I, I i definitely think that there's something to be said about the difference between stew and and billy and their intentions their motivations yeah. um do you think billy actually felt anything for sydney or was it just solely about killing her? I, I think he just saw red the you know, whole, whole entire time. I, I don't think that he really was. He 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 wanted. First to of all, were they dating before Maureen died? Because remember, she had only died a year before yeah. these events took place. So yeah. had they been dating? How long had they been dating? You know, were they already dating when he decided to kill Maureen? You know, were they already dating when he decided to kill Sydney? That's true. I mean, it, it just. I don't I don't think he really, you know, he he was just on a revenge thing, you know what I mean? Like like he didn't even act like he wanted to ruin her family as much as his family got ruined because right. I mean what the the dad was just kind of uh they were going to frame him. Yeah, they're going to frame him and then well and then you know with her just basically they planned on killing her at the end, you know, and and but, you know, the same thing with with Billy's family was just all gone, you know, pretty much, you know. I mean, for the most part, it was the dad and everything else like that, you know. And it just ruined ruined his family, so he wanted to do the same thing to hers. But why it wasn't he, so much against Sydney. Why did he have so much anger towards her then? Why did he have so much anger towards Sydney? Like, I understand having anger towards Maureen, who had slept with his dad and everything like that. But then, he, you know, he killed her. Obviously, there's better ways to deal with your anger, but right. he killed with her. Now, why is he mad at Sydney? Well, he's mad at Sydney because, you know, Sydney basically is, you know, not where he's at. You know what I mean? Like, and it seems like, you know, she, she yeah, she kind of got over it. Yeah, her mom got murdered, you know, and stuff like that, but she's kind of you know okay hey i'm dealing with this you know what i mean like I, it seems like he never was able to deal with it you do know do you think this, there's any like sexual frustration there too because i mean they I'm, say a lot of serial killers and psychopaths they deal with you know sexual frustration and well that's, different things like yeah, that. yeah i mean i'm sure that that had a lot to do with it. i think i think mainly um uh stews had more his his ways were more masochistic than anything you know like he liked the pain he liked the you know, it was it was probably uh, something sexual for him about it when Maybe. it came to killing. Where with Billy, I think I think it was just pure revenge, pure hatred towards that family. And he wanted to just totally destroy that family. And he felt that, you know, he needed to do that because what her mother did to their fa- to his family, he wanted to do to her family, basically. Yeah. You know, to Sydney's family. And still, he's just the great thing about it is He's you know, he's so playful and and affable yeah. you know yeah. you you wouldn't expect it from him yeah. and and you know and wes frames it that way he he shows you just how just like add this guy is you know yeah. he's just like the way he goes off and and he had to but but wes hiring him had to know that that's who matthew lillard is i mean I mean he, he, he wasn't really popular after, Even thir- before this it, well 13 ghosts uh he he's really I, uh, ADD, more than that, he's just know, like scared yeah. and freaked out the whole time. But yeah, I mean, in this one, it's like, it's, he, I don't know, he, uh, he wasn't disturbed by anything that was going on. I mean, that's no. one of your warning signs there, too. He was playing too, a lot. You is know? That some people were just like, oh, this is awful. But, I mean, he was mainly just kind of being playful the entire time. Like, yeah. he was having a blast.
1: Yeah. And so he was laughing was kind of at like everything
0: a, where we you know, like... When the ghost face yeah. ran down the hall and he's yeah. laughing and, and all the, that. Billy's just kind of brooding the whole entire movie. You well, know? not only that, whenever he's like, whenever Sydney goes, how do you gut someone? And, and he go, you know, he describes it. Mm-hmm. Stu describes it. And as soon as he does, it cuts to to Billy And Billy starts kind of perking up and he gets up kind of like, dude, shut up. What are you talking? You know, you're yeah. telling people, you know, you can see that Billy is obviously the brains and he, he doesn't have a lot of patience for Stu. When you can always tell, like, you know, I, I think in a way you can almost tell. I mean, it's taken me a while to get to this point, I guess, but you can always tell who the killer is and the simple fact that they're usually the only people that are not worried about anything. You know what I mean? Like those two characters weren't really worried about much of of anything, you know what I mean? They were almost uh, cocky to the point, you know, where it's like they felt like they will they have this planned out so well that they'll never get caught. So, you know, hey, we go to jail. That was part of the plan, you know? Hey, we end up getting out of jail and we get framed somebody else for it. We frame, frame cotton for the mother, mother's murder. You know, they, they they thought they were so smart but that's what that's what's great about the character, Sydney. and it never shows them in an interaction with no. the killer by themselves. No, either. no. And then, and then, but that's what's so great with with Sidney's character is that no matter how smart you think you are and how planned out things, just like in the in the fourth film, you know, her niece thought she was so smart and that she had everything planned out. But but Sidney says, "I'm the OG. Yeah, okay, the don't OG. even try it for real." For, uh, <laughs> and, and the fact that that you know, it's like no okay she's uh, like you said before she's a final girl she's gonna end up at the end of the movie i mean it was almost like you could guess that sydney's gonna be okay emma robert's gonna go try to kill her and then sydney's gonna handle her business yeah what i kind of liked about sydney is she's she's more brave than stupid you know you have you have you know she just gets off the phone with her friend saying you know uh, it's insulting or no she's talking to the killer at the time you know Talking about how it's insulting because you have some big-breasted bimbo who's running up the stairs instead of out the front door, like they should be doing. Yeah, and it's insulting. And in the very next scene, she's running up the stairs and not out the front door. But, um, but before that, you know, she she's talking to him. She he's like, you know, I can see you, or I'm right outside your front door. And she goes, I call your bluff. And she unlocks the door and goes out there. So she it's not like she's investigating. a, a, you know, a weird, I think she's just been through so much with her mom and, and now that Casey's dead, you know, she's, but I mean, you see her beat up grown men, you know, I mean, she beats up some grown men, you know, (laughs) apparently and, 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 you know, I think most of the times it's that she's being chased. It's, it's Stu and he's kind of a a dummy anyways. Well, you always see in in horror movies like this, right? Where, you know, like you said, it's the final girl or whatever. Um, But you know, it's 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 the classic recipe of a horror movie. You know, I mean you have the bad guy is ninety percent of the time a guy. Okay, well, well in this case it's about fifty percent, you know, in, in these movies that it's a guy that's murdered, but it's always after the female you know where where you know michael myers is always after uh his little sister or whoever she happens to be depending on who's writing that movie right um but you know and freddy's after uh after the the female lead as well you know i mean it's always the same formula and what's great about uh, uh scream is that you don't know sometimes how they're going to go with it because i mean You know two movies it was it was guys and then the other two it was girls you know and so you don't know which who's going to be the murderer on this point and and you just kind of see some of the stuff that where they're kind of you know how 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 did that (laughs) all i'm saying is how in the fourth one just out of curiosity how did that little girl take down two big cops i mean grown men cops and i did it did show you had to sneak up, but it could have been that other dude Although no, he was at he was at the barn. Yes, yes. So it had to have been her. Yeah, but had I mean, to have been Jill. But you know, it's I could have tossed her with probably one hand. Well, to be she snuck with you. up on Adam Brody, and anybody can sneak up and get the drop on Adam Brody. It's she Adam did. Brody. It's Seth Cohen, for God's sakes. <laughs> you know, it, I'm not scared of Seth Cohen. No. Um, I'd say Anthony Anderson, that's a, that's a different one. But, I mean, he was kind of surprised. He was in the car and got a knife stuck in his forehead. Yeah. So, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, and the same thing with, like, Lori Metcalf. You know, I'm like, well, I don't know if she can really... She's not super strong Yeah, but... And I, we'll get into it when we get into part two. But, I mean, I think that the majority of those kills, besides Randy, I'm pretty sure all the rest of them were, um, were uh, Mickey. Um, but... Uh, before we get into that, um, just to kind of kind of finish off the 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 first movie, what's 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 the best part, or I guess what's your favorite part about right at the part end. one, right at the end where uh, mine Rick, is a person. Well, mine's Randy. I mean, obviously, but oh, okay. but but to the point was Did you ever see yourself in Randy? I did. Be in a movie buff, <sighs> I did. <clears throat> but I, I feel like he's only. A horror movie buff like but I mean out really of the hit. two of us you yeah. have watched way more horror movies than I have right. and you probably know a lot more about horror movies than I do but. right but no it's my favorite scene was Randy at the end you know when they're watching the uh, the movie you know there he's kind of explaining some of the rules you know and I just thought that was kind of cool because you know he's literally explaining like What's happening in the story? You know, in the movie, yeah, kind he's of. like, thing. no sex, no yes. drugs or alcohol. Never, no, never say, never say I'll, I'll be, be right back. back yeah, then, which is repeated many times throughout yeah. the series or whatever. That's kind of like a catch the catchphrase for the movies, you know. Well, who's 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 more of a movie buff? Do you think Randy or Billy Loomis? Uh, I'm going to say Randy wholeheartedly. I think it's Billy Loomis. I think Randy has like kind of like the. The mainstream type stuff like, you know, Halloween, The Shining, uh, Exorcist, all that kind of stuff. But I mean, Billy comes up with some some off the wall references. You know, he's talking about Exorcist or or Texas Chainsaw or whatever it is. And, you know, he's usually the one that's on the phone. Like Stu's on I think Stu was on the phone a couple times, but usually it's Billy. And so I think he's the one with the trivia. He's the one, like like, with the trick question they threw at Casey when they said, who was the killer on Friday the 13th? Uh, if she had said Mrs. Voorhees, she you know, he would have right. been like, no, I, I know it was Jason out of the whole okay. series or whatever. Right. You know, so he's asking questions where there's no way she could get them right unless she clarifies before with another question. But I just – I think it's been contested, too, that Billy Loomis is actually more – way more of a – like he, but he doesn't, like, brag about it. He's real low-key because – if people knew, you know, they would kind of put that connection together. But I mean, even when he's talking to Sydney, he's like, you know, I was watching The Exorcist, you know, it was the made for TV version. It got me thinking. And, you know, but I mean, I, I don't know. I just think that maybe Billy Loomis is more of a movie expert, or at least a horror movie expert, I, because they had to do all that research to start their killings. Because remember, they watched tons of horror movies. I, I think it's too. I think Billy and, and Randy are two different types of movie watchers, okay? R- Billy. Like Billy's the type of person that can quote movie quotes, you know, where Randy, Randy looks at more of the production of, you know, what we like to try to do on the show a little bit where we're not just quoting scene for scene on a movie. We just like to look at we're just having a conversation. The, yeah, why do you think the director does it this way yeah. or, or, or if you notice, you know, and I'm right there with him on that, that every single movie has a, uh, an outline that it goes by. That it never it never veers from it, and people don't realize this when they're watching just watching a movie. Because again, they're just popcorn watch, uh, popcorn popcorn eaters. Popcorn eaters. But but the you know when you really watch a movie, you notice that hey, this plot line is a lot like this movie. Oh wait, it's a lot like this one. It's a lot like this one, and they don't realize that you know most movies use the same exact uh, plot structure for their film that uh, a lot of other directors use. Yeah, I think yeah, the the the. Analogy you made was good. Whereas I think Billy's more like us, and and Randy is more like maybe other people where they talk about like facts and movie facts about it. Whereas you and I will talk about these like they're real characters, real people, and events. Like like maybe a director did this for no reason, but we're like, well, why did they do that? What's the in-universe reason for why they did that? And we do realize, like, like, yeah, Billy maybe gets that mixed up too. And we do realize, you know, it might seem like you know we we really look in a lot. Uh, you know, way too deep into things and way too deep into movies, and and guaranteed probably ninety percent of the things that we are saying, the director probably never thought about. I don't think it, anybody it, it, would ever yeah. accuse me of going overboard on anything. <laughs> but I mean, just you know, you see a lot of a lot of this happen with Star Wars, where a lot of tens of people like think George Lucas must have felt like this. Where you know, I guarantee you, if you ask George Lucas, he'd be like, I don't know, I just, uh, I just, yeah. I just wrote it down on paper. But that's how I like to talk about yeah. movies. Because no, no, it's no like, I'm right well, there with you, and it's like. You're like, well, there's no, but I, I get that. But, and maybe there was never meant to be an in universe or in movie explanation, but I want to be the one to be like, okay, well, let's talk about that. Why, what, what is the reason? Yeah. Okay. The, the director messed up here or there. Okay. Well, let's figure out a reason for why it happened in the movie. Why do you think that's the type of the, the stuff yeah. that, and maybe that's the, the way that, um, Billy talks about it. But, uh, my favorite part about this movie is, is Matthew Lillard as Stu Mocker, um, he is so zany, so funny, and so charismatic with the way he talks, walks, acts, and everything. I don't know if I would have liked this movie or if it would have been popular. I think he's kind of like the unsung hero because he doesn't have a lot of scenes, but you can be damn sure that he is in the spotlight of every scene that he's in because he's so magnetic, and 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 the way he talks, and and I don't know, it's just one of these... Uh these actors kind of like a Jim Carrey or somebody that are, they kind of you know go off. I mean this is supposed to be a serious horror movie and you have these certain character types. I think Stu kind of stands on the outside of that because you got Billy, you got your cool guy brooding boyfriend, right? He's the tough guy, brooding guy, whatever. And then you got Stu, uh, you got um Randy who's the kind of the geek, the the movie geek. Yeah. Stu I don't feel like feels it fills any roles he, you know he's friends with the geek he's friends with the the broody guy and everything and he's himself you know he's just a jokester all the time and everything yeah. I just think I I don't know I think he makes this movie he's my favorite part about this movie I'd say Dewey is my favorite part and person of the entire series yeah but in this movie it's got to be Matthew Lillard as Stu I think I, I honestly I don't know if this movie would have worked for me if it hadn't been for Matthew Lillard, I think you know why I think it does though. Just the fact that he 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 doesn't survive. Why, past contrary it. Mary, <laughs> he doesn't uh, survive past the first movie. You know, well, maybe yeah, and, and then the fact that he's one of the killers and yeah. stuff. I was just like, that's a crazy reveal. I wouldn't. I, I, you look at this guy. There's no way he's just a jokester, affable. Right, guy. right. How but is we, he a psychopath? Right. With you saying that though, that just makes it sound like what's the point of for you as a, as a movie watcher to watch the last three then what do you mean what's the point to watch the last three if they don't have Matthew Lillard well in, no I said that mean? like Dewey is my favorite thing of the, okay, uh, the okay. entire series and he's really good Dewey's really good in the oh, first yeah, one yeah. I just I personally I I was connected more to to Stu and, and his craziness um, fast-talking craziness. I don't know. I, I just I love Matthew Lillard in this movie. I think he's fantastic for the role, and I really liked that he got to play the part that comes in at the end as a complete surprise to everybody. Because, well, I like I said, they were yeah. setting it up. Billy, if you didn't guess that it was Billy, then you're not paying attention. Even if it wasn't Billy, you should have at least guessed that it was Billy at least once. And Skeet Ulrich in this movie, I don't think, did a good job, to be honest with you. His acting wasn't, I mean, I, now Matthew Lillard, you know, the reason was is because Matthew Lillard right at the end, you know, especially when you found out he was one of the killers that he really kind of took over that whole team, you know, in a way, you know what I mean? Like Billy, there was just no depth to that, that character. There really wasn't any depth. I mean, he was, he was just because Billy was the brains, right? Right. But I think, I think what it was was because it was so focused on his revenge plot you know, not throughout the movie because obviously we didn't know who the killer was. But you know, I think it was just so focused on the revenge plot. Like he had no depth to his acting. I thought. I, Maybe that's just my opinion. I, th- on I it. think. I think Stu was enamored with Billy. Um, I think that's he, yeah. that Billy just drew Stu in, and Stu wanted to be a part of his world and all that. Um, I don't know what you say about that, but uh, you know, I think he was enamored with Billy, and and Billy was kind of definitely the influencer. I think Skeet Ulrich. You know, Well we find out that he they neither of them were their influencers in the third one. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, and he's not really a tough guy. I don't yeah. I, I've never seen him as a tough guy. You know, I know he's skeet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know he's been in Riverdale and Jerry. I always consider him like, like the the poor man's Johnny Depp. Or you something. Know what I mean? But I mean he's like the leader of a biker gang in Riverdale. Yeah, and yeah. I'm just like I don't think so. He looks so old in that. No, his, his role him. his role in his, as good as it gets with Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Is more in line with kind of uh, where he's kind of an artsy guy, you know, or whatever. Uh, he's not. He's not. He's got no bulk. He's not like a, a tall, intimidating guy or anything. He's just a guy, and you have to have an average person because somebody would stand out in the Ghostface suit. So True. you got to have somewhat of an average person. So I get that, but I don't know. I just never really saw him as a, as like a tough guy. You know, some of the the later ones, like maybe Roman, he, that made more sense. He was the only one that I, th- I felt like that really filled out that costume enough to make it Mickey was of pretty good, good though, too. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe maybe uh, maybe um, uh, Stu. Maybe Matthew Lillard in because he was a taller guy. Yeah, and that's what's com- that's what confuses me about that is like Skeet Ulrich and, and Matthew Matthew Lillard's like at a, least six inches difference. taller than yeah, him, right big you know difference. so they had to have looked differently in the suits. But well, same thing with Emma Roberts. You know, I mean, even Macaulay Culkin's uh, one of his brothers. You know, that's what I call him, Rory Culkin. Yeah, I mean, it's not un- Kieran I- Culkin. Yeah, but it's unmistakably yeah. you can you can never deny uh, who happens to be a Culkin. No, you know, and I don't think it's the one from Signs. I can't remember which one. But he, he, There's so many Calkins. Uh, if you notice, both those characters, like Emma Roberts him, they they were not tall people. You know, they yeah. weren't a big people. I mean, it. it you know, those those. The Macaulay Culkin uh, family clan, or whatever you know, they're they're not a big tall people, and Emma Roberts is a very short person, you know. So it's kind of funny to see those two people in in uh, and they both come from uh, dynasties, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And the fact that, that family dynasties, dynasties, or know, whatever, like, like their siblings and their their aunt and uncle and their father happens to be a lot more famous than they ever have been, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of funny to see both those characters in there. And, and you know, Emma Roberts does these scream sque- these scream I was skipping movies. a for now. Well, just, I'm just throwing <laughs> this out there. But, uh, you know, it's just kind of hard because two is really the, the only thing that's really No, I, d- to I know. To I just have a couple of things I want to say for one real quick. Okay. Uh, I like how they showed how giddy Stu was about the party. Um, I want to know the logistics of it. Uh, but before we get into that, let, let's be the, let's have that be the last thing we talk about. Um, one question I have, how is Billy going to explain the corn syrup? Um, so their plan was to stab each other and to act like victims. But then somebody probably would have found out that he had corn syrup all over him, don't you think? Or do you think he would have just been washed and cleaned off and they just <laughs> they would have assumed it was blood? Well... No, I wouldn't think that forensics would want to take blood like well, yeah. all different I mean, blood samples and everything She's to try to find, to find whose any whose kind blood of blood DNA. Is DNA or, you know, DNA. How, what well, unless he was just considering. You know, I mean, again, he's you know, he's probably he's 17 year old kid at most, right? One of these things you have to look over. Yeah, well, no, they don't look seventeen, but they're seventeen-year-old kids. I mean, they're they're in high school still, right? Right. So (laughs) movie seventeen. Yeah, even though Dewey looks just about the same age as they are. So you well, and he's supposed to be twenty-five in the first movie. Yeah. Well, and then Gail, too. I mean, they they all look pretty a couple years older or something. But I don't know. Maybe the corn syrup thing. Maybe that's something that you have to look past because when he was like corn syrup, I'm like looking at him. I'm like, you know, if this is successful, how would he explain that? Like, if somebody happened to take samples. Be like, why do you have corn syrup on you? Like, how would you explain that? It's just, uh, again, you know, and they, they try to do that in all these movies where they're like, this is how we're going to explain your murder basically. You know, let, let me go ahead and tell you all this, you know? Right. And it's like, yeah, there's going to be plot holes, but you got to understand that, you know, it is a movie and they are humans so, you know, more than likely they'll make a, a mistake because most times you can't get away with stuff like that just like it's nothing, you know? Yeah, um, that's true except for, uh, who was it? Um, The unsolved murders. Well, there's Jack the Ripper. That's still unsolved. No, they got his DNA. They said it was like a a baron or something. I don't know. They got his DNA. Well, that's not what Spider-Man said. Well. No, I'm just kidding. Um, But there was, there's one that still, oh, the Zodiac. That still hasn't been solved. They have suspicions. They said it's Ted Cruz. (laughs) They have suspicions of who it was but yeah the Zodiac, oh no his dad his dad I think the Zodiac thing has yeah. never been uh, they've, they've never been caught um, I liked whenever he was checking a closet when he was looking for Sydney after she got away and then there's a point in Halloween where something was when Michael Myers was about to like break into the closet yeah. and he's looking into a closet yeah. it kind of mirrored that yeah. but the fact that he is so obsessed with horror movies he's trying to find her before she gives away the whole farm right Yeah, and and He cannot take his eyes off of that movie. He's looking in the closet, and he has to look over. And it's like, he knows the TV's there. He can ignore it, but he has to look at that scene. And that's when she stabs him with the the umbrella. Yeah. But, I mean, it's really cool because there's a few times, like, when Dewey's going through the house looking for... Where you have the, you know, the music from Halloween that's playing on the TV. And it's like this suspenseful music. So they're kind of using Halloween's music, but they can justify it by saying, well, it's on the TV, you know. So it's using that to build up the suspense. I really like that. And then another thing I wanted to say was TVs were very dangerous back then. Yeah. Um, The way Stu dies is uh, uh, our final girl, Sydney, uh, pushes a TV onto his head. If I push the TV onto your head nowadays, you'd just say, Ow. Or what the heck, man. Even if I picked one up and smashed it over your head, you'd probably go to the hospital with a neck injury or something. But these glass tube TVs, uh, these old school TVs, man, they were... And I want to say, look, that doesn't mean he's dead. I mean, he could have bled out from when Stu... But I mean, maybe he's still alive. Maybe they'll bring him back. Mm, I doubt it. doubt it. (laughs) I mean, I don't know why he would just show up like 25 years later. You know, it's like... I don't think so. He's like, "Oh, look! I've come with Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> with Freddie Prince Jr. Yeah. Um, I really like that that end scene with this at the party. Um, did you know it was like over forty minutes long? The the that third act. Yeah. You know, it, it was. It's interesting because you have the first act, which is basically the intro and introducing Sydney and everything, and then you have the middle act, which kind of it, it doesn't really drag, but it kind of drags a bit. But once we get into this party. Um, I just think it's so interesting but so complicated with with if you're the two killers like how everything moved around. Do you think when Billy got fake stabbed, do you think he stayed in that room the entire time until he came down the stairs when Sydney saw him afterwards or do you think after she left the room he went and helped? No, I think they're a bunch a of costume. monkeys because you know they're a bunch of monkeys they crawl out the window they probably drop down. I had to guess. So you think that Billy was? Because remember, we saw Billy get fake stabbed. He dropped on the floor. She ran out of the room. And then it was basically, you assume, Stu was chasing her the entire time. So, well, I mean, whoever the killer was, was chasing her the entire time. And Billy just bided his time waiting there fake dead or whatever or did he go and help a couple times because remember there was sometimes where uh the killer was closer to the house and then sometimes where the killer was closer to like Gail and them yeah. on the road and all that kind of stuff so i wonder if i, mean, I wonder you, you, if you, billy helped and then snuck back up into that room took off the costume and then came down like he was just barely alive you got to kind of think on some of these things you know especially with horror movies and stuff like that where it's like you know you want to say oh, how can we never figured out the fact that how could they be at all these different places so quickly at different times and all this other stuff and then you got to think back you got to look at you know movies like Jason and Freddy where Jason literally never ran. I mean, the guy walked everywhere, but always caught up to and him. And they tried to actually explain that in the reboot, that 2009 yeah. or whatever it was, reboot. Because remember, he had all those tunnels underneath. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, well, that, 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 sense. Explains, that, oh, sense. that explains how he's getting around and then popping right. up out of nowhere. But how does he, I mean, does he got a map with him that he takes with It doesn't with explain him how he gets to somewhere so fast, but it does explain how he disappears and then just appears somewhere right so. right and that's where you can you know watch the scream movies and be like okay that that can justify that you know this and that you know but but at the same time you got to think you're like okay there's got to be two killers here you know what i mean and and that's what i thought with you know all the movies were going to be like and then i get to that third one and i'm just like nope just one killer <laughs> you know and but yeah. but it's just you know it's kind of another thing too is like you were saying there's hardly any movies out there that is, there's two killers you know on, on in, in or the at movie. least when it it Proposes that there's a killer and ends up being two. Yeah. And it was good. It was good. I I thought that they, they, it was beautifully written. Um, um, the characters for The Killers, they were great. You know, um, I say great like it's a good thing. But, you know, they they, they did their role very well. Yeah, and talking and, about the film itself, yeah. Yeah, that was excellent. And, and ne- uh, Nev Campbell just, I mean, this is her role. You know, this is her role for the rest of her life. You know, I mean, yeah. kind of like Jamie Lee Curtis. You know, I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis did a lot of other movies. She did. But really, most people know her from Halloween. You know, I mean. Know? She's I mean, done like it, Trading Places, yeah. True Lies. I mean, which like, are great movies too. But, you know, she's the girl from Halloween. Halloween. Right. You know, I mean, there's a lot of different characters that, that are Sigourney really. Sigourney Weaver is either known as Ripley or uh, the girl from Ghostbusters. And whatever. Christensen. Dana. Yeah, and Christensen's known for, for being Batman. You know what I mean? It's yeah. really not not much other than. And that Hayden you see. Christensen is known as Ant. Now, yeah, well, no, it, but it's just kind of one of those things where, like, Nev Campbell did a great job. I think the only plot. Yeah, Drew will, Barrymore is Drew Barrymore. But yeah. Nev Campbell will always be Sydney Prescott. Right, too, exactly. A huge majority. Absolutely. Yeah, but. The biggest plot hole in the entire movie, and the worst scene in the entire movie. That even. This is if, in part one. Yes. Okay. And e- even when I was, you know, 96, I was, I think I was 16 then. Um, but in 96, I thought this was ridiculous. But Drew or uh, Rose McGowan dying from the damn garage. I mean, yeah. come on now. Okay. So I had this written down to uh, the, the makers. Of scream and maybe it's Wes Craven himself. I don't think he understands the mechanics of a no, no. That's that's what I'm saying. Because in part four, yes, there's somebody somebody crawling out and he waits until she gets halfway under it and then he presses the button and it like smushes down on her back. Whereas a normal garage door opener first of all it wouldn't have been able to come down because she's laying in front of the sensor and it wouldn't have worked because it was on a movie set. Right, right. Well, I mean it it it, it was it was I don't know. It was just it was Oh wait, what are you talking about? That where remember the garage? Remember what? Wasn't on the movie set on one of the garage? Now no, see, I, in part one, it was Tatum who was killed by a real garage opener. Uh-huh. In part four, it was the first. wasn't it. The it was the first person that that, that yeah he got uh, her to stop by having the the garage door. That's come down, right. Hit her in the back. It didn't crush her or cut her like in half. Broke or anything, her back or something. But it, like you heard this sound, which is like okay, I don't think okay. it would have done that. No, no. But. That being said as well, it wouldn't even come down in the first place no. because those things have sensors at the bottom. Thank you. Which won't do anything if the garage door is going up. But if it's going down yeah. and those sensors get tripped, that garage door is going back yes. up again. It will not come down. And they make those garage doors Let's, so, so um, on purpose. On purpose, they make it like this because if you do have a dog door like they did, you know they make it on purpose that it it won't. If you try to grab on it at all... It won't try to open anymore. It, it literally, there's any resistance at all on purpose because yeah. if a little dog gets stuck in that dog door, and something like that actually happens, and it's able to lift it up, you know, they don't want that to happen. Yeah. So there's nowhere in, in God's green earth that that would have worked. Yep. And not only lifted uh, probably a hundred and sixty pound sixty pound girl. Hey, yeah, that's why she's probably uh, one twenty. Yeah, but regardless, but yeah, you know, we have lifted five her pounds. up there and killed her. <laughs> Come on now, you know that. Yeah, and 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 the fact that her she body get get, like her neck gets her neck gets snapped as as it's pulling her in it's like the garage door opener does not it's have not that, that much uh torque. what does it got how many horsepower it's like, a, it's like 12 horsepower a third or of a horse or something yeah. like that. i don't know it's it's ridiculous it's and then, then in part four when it and I was like oh they better not like chop her or break her back and it didn't it just stopped her but the sound that it made—it was like it was uh, much There's more safety devastating measures on everything happened, right. of this, just like what they do with an elevator, right? Where that elevator is going to chop you in half yeah. if you don't get through the doors. Literally, the elevator will not move if those doors are open. Yeah, okay? I think everybody even ag- a little bit. Yeah, and I think everybody agrees that the most ridiculous kill of any of the scream movies was the garage door kill because. Yeah. It, now it's very iconic the scene with it is. with, and I love Rose McGowan's yeah, character yeah. in that because she was like the one before Sydney that really tried to fight back. Yeah, you know, and she was kicking his butt for there for a while. Uh-huh. I'm pretty sure that that was Billy too, not just Goofy Stu, um, because remember right after it well, happened, how do they not have bruises? He kind of came around and popped and up stuff, like, hey, how's it going? And he kind of gave Stu a look like, yeah, I got her. You wear a stupid mask and you think it's not going to cause you not to have bruises on your face and stuff like that. I mean, but. Now, that being said, that happened to Mickey in the second one, which we're about to get into, Yeah, and uh, when he pulled it off, he had a big bruise from the car wreck, and uh, in uh, actually in the movie, Scream, uh, so Stu ran after Nev Campbell, yeah. or ran after Sidney, um, I believe it was Stu in the suit, I don't think it was Billy, because I know Billy came up to her window right afterwards, but... The ghost face disappeared real quick. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so I think it was Stu because remember he got into a fight with her. She hit him in the head and the next day they were at school and she was talking with Tatum and Stu was kind of behind. He was using Tatum's mirror and he was looking at his head mm. to see if he had like a bruise or something. And it's one of those kind of little cool little things that you, yeah. you look at. You don't, at realize, till you, after you don't realize or or maybe on a different watching because yeah. I, I was watching it and I was like, wait a minute. I was like, is he maybe looking to see if because now you're watching it with the knowledge that they're, you know, they're part of it or yeah. whatever. So, anyways, <clears throat> great great ending. Uh Dewey survived somehow. He got stabbed in the back. Randy survived too. Yeah, apparently Dewey survived though. Uh, but it messed it hit his part leg. of his spine that yeah. that controlled his legs, so he's got a limp now. I thought it was kind of silly too, though. It was weird, and it. he doesn't have the limp anymore. Well, th- that's probably how they explained him to stop where he stops being a cop there for a little bit because of his injury. Maybe they. Well, he had like that's probably the part of the plot or something. He had kind of like a claw hand, like his fingers wouldn't sit right, and you know he'd have his arm to his side and he'd limp. But he didn't have that in part four. Yeah. And did he have that in part three? I no, don't think he did. He didn't. Um maybe he had a little bit of it here and there he would keep his hand up a slight limp or whatever. But I'm pretty sure he didn't have it after or whatever. But anyway, so the main people that made it out of this one alive are uh are Randy, um Sydney. Wait, Rand- Randy, I'm going I'm going right when you say I'm going to tell them what they are, okay? Randy's the fourth wall breaker. So you got the fourth wall breaker, you got the, the always chased. The always chased and Sydney. Uh-huh. You got the hero, the savior. Or the savior yeah. Dewey. And, he's not really a hero, and like he, in 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 hero senses, in a way. It's just he does his job because it's his friend. You once, know, what I mean, it wouldn't. Yeah, and uh, and Gale described him right. She said, "You're a brave man, Dewey Riley." In, in part three, at the end, so he he doesn't save people. Uh, he saved Sydney in the very last one. Uh, yeah. Not 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 yeah. not. I'm sorry. Not the very. Very no, like he always one. ends up getting knocked out. Remember every single movie. It, in the first right, one, he, right got he stabbed. gets stabbed. Yeah, but he, but he's like right before he saves Sydney. Something like he. In the fourth one, he gets knocked out by a bedpan. And That's then right. the third one, he. In the third one, he does save her. He yeah. shoots Roman in the That's head. Right. He is actually the one that gives <laughs> in the head, in the head, in yeah, the head. head, Dewey, head what? <laughs> head and he goes, oh okay. And then he turns around and shoots him point blank in the middle of the forehead. Yet in part four. Whenever the killer's attacking the uh, uh, Gail, he shoots at him and hits a light that's like 18 feet away, and I'm like, "Weapon of that headshot that he had in the last movie." Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, well, maybe it's all adrenaline or maybe. something, you know. But yeah, the 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 I'd say I think the uh, the part three is the only one where he actually comes in. But by that point, she had already kind of stabbed him, and mm-hmm. he was down on the ground, and Dewey just kind of got the shots, got the final shot, yeah. but. But he he is brave though for his yeah dorky and and not as tough as he is yeah. and I and I mean Dewey and David Arquette in real life yeah I know. Um, he well, is got, at least he, brave and, and he'll, he'll run come, into the action to especially save when it comes to you know Gail and Sydney you know right I mean? he and protects like, those because especially Sydney is like his new sister like his yeah, sister because his sister yeah. died and everything and that was his sister's best friend so yeah he, he sees Sydney as a sister and Gail of course is the person that he loves but and Gail happens to be and she also survives she happens to be the one that always needs redemption because she's always messing up one thing or another and she's always getting forgiven and she needs she needs to do good and, and save them save them here and save them there you well, know all then, her success, then she ends up being scummy again and, all her success is off camera right yeah so she became somewhat popular because of maureen's uh um trial and everything yeah so at the beginning of in the first movie she's had some success but it already happened and she's looking for her next big break yeah. which happens to be the same case that she doesn't know um after the first one you know she did these she wrote these books you know the the woodsborough murders which the stab movie was based off of so she had success there but then when we meet her she's kind of looking for her next big break again you know in the third movie she's looking for an expert in the fourth movie she's not doing anything looking for another break so she's always having these successes off camera and then when we meet her again she's so full of herself and is like why am i not famous anymore i have to write this new story i have to be part of this investigation and so she has a real crappy attitude about it. And she's always, like you said, needing that redemption of being that person. Like, yep. it seems like she has a very little character development because she becomes a good person at the end of one movie. And at the beginning of the next one, she's, she's a jackass scummy. again. She's scummy. Yeah. yeah. And especially to Dewey. She's always, she always treating him really good at the end of the movies because he's usually well, she, cause, stabbed cause, cause or she whatever. knows that she's getting that draw to kinda of settle down and, and basically live the rest of her life in Woodsboro. She's fighting it and fighting it, but it's it's like it's This is where her success came from, you know. This town is where her success came from. This is why people know her name is because of this town. And it's like keeps fighting it and fighting it and not wanting. You know, up until the fourth film where she finally kind of get. You know, we find out that she is given in. You know, by the end of the third film, but you know, finally given in and lives in Woodsboro and she's really not doing anything. And she has a generic, crappy hairstyle. In first, second, and third, she had unique hairstyles. And in the fourth one, she just has a generic hairstyle. I will say though. Part three, oh, she looks terrible. It's like somebody took a weed whacker to her. Thanks. <laughs> so I was watching it with your daughter last night. We were watching part three. And uh, we said that I was like, "Look at her hair," and, and your daughter was like, "Oh my God, her bangs are terrible." And I'm like, "It looks like somebody took a weed whacker to her it. bangs." Yes, it's exactly what it looks like. I don't know if that was the fashion back then, but and I, you know, I don't, I don't, know if that's I don't know ever the fashion. I don't know notice people's clothing or hairstyles and movies or whatever. But I was just like, "Oh gosh, she horrible. looked terrible. It was horrible." I think the best she looked was a little bit of red in her hair in part two. Yeah, which we can get yeah. into now. Um, did you notice that, that 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 what they were gonna make part two be about was uh that it kind of fell off halfway through the movie? Like it started out where there was copycat, right? So the, the Phil and, and Maureen. Well, if you notice, if you notice, because I mean they had to get rid of they got rid of Stu and Billy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in the first one, so they needed to move some more characters to the center, and the way West, I think you know Williamson and, and, and Craven created these films. Was not to continuously add new characters to the show, you know, so you have your basic characters, you know, throughout all four films, right? So you know once you get rid of stew and billy you got to move some more characters to the middle middle of the the group you know what i mean and and the problem is is (laughs) who do you got left you got you've got billy i mean not billy excuse me randy and you've got uh oh you're talking about for the core cast yeah yeah. i was talking about like those first two that got killed uh played by omar epps yeah and um oh uh, she got killed in the movie theater what's her name jada pinkett yeah was yeah, I don't it know if Jada. she was Jada Pinkett Smith in this yet, or if I she was just so, Jada yeah. Pinkett. But um, yeah, so you got those two, and they were named Phil and Maureen. Yeah. You know, her name was Maureen after Maureen. So it felt like they were trying to do a little copycat type thing, and yeah. then it just kind of fell off. Um, I you know, some people said that they changed, just decided to change mOs or whatever. But then they did the same thing, kind of in the third one, where she started leaving pictures. They started leaving pictures of Maureen at yeah. the, the scene. Or but it's more whatever. like a basic, like like like. Okay, so the first one was high school, right? The second one was college. Mm-hmm. The third one, they went, th- you know which a lot of scary movies do this, where they do the movie inside of the movie situation. Adult life career, part four would be midlife crisis. Uh, part hopefully four, part five we're getting his retirement. <laughs> well, no, no. Usually in like, like part four, what they did is they're basically trying to pass that torch. But then they probably had like focus groups watch this and say no. Nah. This ain't going to work again. Just mm-hmm. stop it. Stop it now. Yeah. You know, but, but again, you know, people like to reboot horror movies. It's a thing, you know, it's, a, it's just a constant thing where people the are just like co- in Star Wars, they I mean, tried to pass, bad. they tried to pass the torch and it's like, you know, you need to let the, the, if you're going to pass the torch, that doesn't mean you have to kill off people. The guy yeah. who played uh, the voice of Darth Maul, Sam Witwer, he also yeah. played um, uh, Doomsday in Smallville. Yeah. Um, you know, he talked about how he thought that uh, that Ryan Johnson and and uh, Disney there had had gotten it wrong with the Last Jedi because um, just because you want the new audience to take over doesn't mean you have to. You know, he didn't like that they killed off Han Solo and 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 Luke yeah. Skywalker because, like, you know, just just because you're handing the torch off doesn't mean you have to kill off characters. Yeah, well, I I kind of feel like they they were just like, okay, after this fourth one, you know, it was it was kind of one of those cool things. You're like, oh, okay, you know. It's all right, you know, and then Halloween H2O, okay, okay, I can handle that one. But don't make any more. I mean, as long as you brought back Jennifer, Jamie Lee Curtis, okay, I'm okay with that, you know, with, with doing, you know, Halloween H2O or whatever. I was okay with that, you know, at first, you and know. then Resurrection happened. And then, yeah. And they but, killed Jamie Lee Curtis off in the first 10 minutes. Yeah, I, and then they brought her back in these other ones, so whatever. <laughs> um, but just like, you know, there are some Halloween movies out there that they disregard part of canon. Like uh, the one where... Uh, well, this th- new one that they came out with, it's disregarded all canon past part one. Well, just like the same thing with Chucky, too. The newest because, Chucky one went past canon, too. Because the the original Halloween, it was just uh, a stalker who had killed his sister yep. and now came back to kill other people. Yeah. It wasn't until part two that you find out that, that's, that they're was, actually brother and yeah. sister and then the original went back and said, no, we're even cutting out this part two. This this new one that came yeah. out in 2018 was like, no, and that was... uh, uh, uh And please, and, and you know, please stop letting Rob Zombie do these films. Well, I know, but then Eastbound and Down came, came out and was like, well, the reason we wanted to do that was because if it's familial and he's a brother, then... It's not as scary. It's not yeah. as scary as somebody who will just kill you because he wants to kill you. Yeah. So we made it to... Um, he's not the brother, but he's still after her because she's the one that got away type yeah. of thing. So I don't know. With this new one, I think because they, they did Maureen and Phil and then Cece, her real name was Casey. You know, Buffy, what's her name? Sarah Michelle Geller. Yeah. So her name was Cece in the college, but her real name was Casey, as in Casey Becker. So yeah. they were like trying to kill them in the order that they died or whatever. So it's it, and then that just kind of fell off. But then, if you notice, like because you know Laurie Metcalf's character, she was that was who the plays kind of, Debbie Loomis or something Loomis. Yeah, she plays Debbie Salt. So you kind of see in her character, <clears throat> she's got the mentality Billy did. Okay, she she's out for revenge like Billy. She's also want to, you know, obviously a critical thinker like Billy was too, you know, but you know what I'm saying? Like, like she planned out a lot of this, you know what I mean? But then again, her curse was, you know, she had, she, she was just laser focused on revenge where, you know, uh, what's his face, um, was just kind of out there, kind of like a stew type character, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mickey was kind of like a stew type character where he was just kind of You know, again, he was the crazy one, you know, like Stu was the crazy one. He obviously was the crazy one because he's out for that. You know, Laurie Metcalf's character was out for revenge, you know, um, uh, against Sydney. And you can really tell that this is one of Timothy Oliphant's earlier roles because when he he's all right with the whole movie. But when he takes off the mask and shows that he's a killer and the way he just kind of goes all ham on it, it's just like. He starts going crazy and talking crazy. I was just like, oh, it's just terrible acting. Yeah. I didn't like Debbie uh, because when it's shown that she's a killer, she looks really timid. She does not look like a mastermind of these murders. She, she looks a very, like a very... Timid, you know, where Cotton's trying to make a deal with her, and she's like, "Oh yeah, yeah," like real wide-eyed, like she doesn't know what the hell is going on. But she she plays that type of timid role in a lot of films. That I know, she does. but that's like, what like, I'm except for Big exactly. Bang Theory is the only time that she's really right. Sure and that's herself, okay, you know, to play that timid role to where she doesn't know what's going on as her mask, as the yeah. Debbie Salt person, you yeah. know, so people don't suspect it That's one thing, but to then expose yourself as a killer. It's it was good for a little bit, but then she she seemed a lot less confident, didn't just didn't seem like the mastermind. But a lot of that had to do with I think she just wanted the revenge, um, because I don't think she was in the suit much. I think the only time she was actually in costume to kill somebody was with Randy. Yeah. Um. Obviously she was. Uh, I do know. She did go after. I I think she was the one that that stabbed. Um. Uh, Dewey as well and was after Dewey and Gable because Mickey's character was with Sidney's character and her friend and the cops remember yeah. they got in that car wreck and all that while um, Debbie was chasing these other people but I mean mainly it was Mickey doing most of the heavy lifting Yeah, when Which, it comes to that but yeah I mean that, that movie just ended up being a revenge plot because they killed Billy because Billy was a psychopath and Mickey wanted to go to trial and then that was all blown away I just look at this, and I, I think Timothy Olyphant even goes back on saying he's like, you know, I I did not like that role. I didn't like, you know, the role that I but played. in But again, if you notice, I don't think that was his say on how that role was supposed to be and how that character was supposed to be. They were literally trying to repeat the formula. They only changed a couple things. For one, you know, Laurie Metcalf is the Billy. I feel I feel like he felt the Billy like he was trying to be Stu. Yeah, he was trying to be do that. Not so craziness yeah. that Matthew Lillard does. Yeah. Whereas if you've seen Timothy Oliphant, he's a very chilled, laid-back yeah. dude, you know. He's really close to his railing character where he just kind of, uh, whatever, you know. He's not that wild and crazy, whereas Matthew Lillard, he's got that energy. Yeah. He's got that wild and crazy, uh, shaggy energy, you know.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so, yeah, I, I felt like they were trying to You know, you got the revenge thing with Mrs. Loomis and you got you got um, Timothy Oliphant trying to be Matthew Lillard or should I say Mickey trying to be Stu? Yeah. And it just didn't work. I mean, it's it's, it's, I'm not saying it was bad movie. It just was very predictable. And I mean, not predictable, obviously, in The Killer, because there was really no way of thinking, Okay, you did know something up was was up with Laurie Metcalf's character because you were like. She's in this a lot. So what, who is she really, you know, like, so it was kind of, it was, I, I felt like those two characters could have been the killer. I, I remember watching this a long time ago, and it's very hard to to watch it now because I know who the killers are, you know, and so I'm trying to talk about it now, but it's not like talking about it when I first watched it. Yeah. But I kind of felt like I, I knew who the killers were almost right off the bat. And, and I was predicting, saying there's probably two killers. Maybe. I would have never predicted that Laurie Metcalf. I mean, yeah, she's a there's good There's something up with that, though. She is, but I mean, if I was thinking realistically who was in that suit, tossing people off of balconies and through yeah, windows and stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, I wouldn't have envisioned this five foot four like woman. you could see cotton doing it or even Randy to a point, you know? I, I mean maybe. But it just seemed like I could probably see Mickey doing it. He seemed kinda of like a jock a little bit. Yeah. But I don't know. It was just it was very I think the first one was a revolutionary horror movie, uh, thriller movie that happened to have teens in it. Yeah. And I think part two was a teen movie. Yeah, it was a teen movie that happened to be a horror movie because you have the typical college kids yeah. doing their college things. So whereas the first movie was about the horror, the suspense, the story, it was a good, uh, iconic horror movie. Part two was a uh, teen movie that was it was more so, you know, it was a teen movie first. Yeah. um and a college I mean, movie a van wilder type thing but yeah and i don't think we really need to talk that much about the second one just because it was no. just, there wasn't a lot of substance now my favorite part was it was just you know the randy parts again you know with the, with him explaining horror movies again like sequels you know what i mean and then it was great with the third one too is that he he was still in that one technically you know talking about well yeah uh, you know the 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 three-peat or the the you know trilogy the the trilogy yeah you know where, where i thought that way his explaining it again it was a form of breaking that fourth wall explaining to the audience that's actually watching the movie right of them in that movie you know how things are supposed to be done you know you don't say certain things because obviously they get you killed like i'll be right back anthony edwards literally said that and he got murdered yeah. for it you know anthony anderson <laughs> what anthony edwards was goose yes and top that's man. right that's right <laughs> Horrible um, movie. i'm like he died of brain cancer in ER, but whatever spoiler alert um no yeah I, I think second one was the only one-off because one and three are part of the main uh legacy storyline right yeah Part four is even part of the main legacy storyline. Yeah, uh, part two was just a one-off. It was about it had nothing to do with Roman or anything like that. It had to do with. Do you know why that Miss Loomis getting her revenge? You know why I think that was, and and they they were able to kind of pull it off in the third one, right? Because they did go to Woodsboro in the third one, but they brought it was Woods, because Kevin Williamson didn't write part three. Well, <laughs> I don't know. It's my favorite movie out of all, all of them, anyways. But no, I mean, if you notice that the one movie that they're not really in Woodsboro because we talk about this again, you know, many times on the show that, that, you know, the scenery and the, you know, the places they're at a is a character in itself. And what, just like I, I think we were having this conversation before was that, you know, Woodsboro is a character in the show, in the, in the movies. I mean, it's it really is It's the first and the last one, uh, the first, last one, but the third one, they do go back. He, they do go back to, uh, um, um or or no the woodsboro is in 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 hollywood i see what you're saying you, you see know what the I'm woodsboro saying? sets right right where the second one really wasn't in woodsboro you know what i mean it was it was kind of taken away from from that town the third one is it's it's unique but it, like i get people's problems with it i think i liked it because the opening was fantastic like a lot of maybe people like the theater opening in part 2 and i was like oh that's all right but yeah. it just felt like it was trying to match up to the first one right yeah. it was a very chaotic scene yeah. on that, on that on i like that the third one because as in real, unrealistic as it is because you have a voice changer that has all their voices yeah. we don't even have we that have it's that 2020 now, right now yeah. and we still don't even have that now in, in I, all reality i no. can't and and first of all i would imagine you'd need like a bunch of sound clips of people saying certain, verbs certain words and consonants yeah, yeah to be able to program a computer voice so where do you get those clips from and second of all that was what 1999 that, yes. that came out. yeah. So I mean uh, I don't think so. So yeah. that, that 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 there's a lot more suspending disbelief. Obviously you got to spend suspend disbelief with pretty much any movie you're going to watch but Yeah there's varying there are varying levels of that and this one is you have to really suspend your disbelief on the voice changer I thought it was unique yeah I mean uh, because you have somebody else's voice and everything and then it switches and it's pretty heart pounding with Cotton trying to get home and Cotton is played by Leif Schreiber who's this great actor yeah and he wasn't as big back then but I mean like right now you'd see him now he's a big tall jacked guy yeah and somebody you wouldn't want to mess with and everything like that but even back then he was a pretty tall big guy yeah and I think he he even like when you saw him against the killer, the killer was like a few inches shorter than yeah. him, and he kind of grabbed his hand and slammed him up against the thing yeah. like he could manhandle this guy. So I was yeah. just like, well, 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 Then you like. get somebody like, like Nev Campbell, uh, who is throwing grown men, you know, twice her size around the room and doing karate chops and oh, she's, this and that. She's you know? great at throwing stuff. She's, she's, she she's a good scrapper. She is. I mean, and, and it's funny because, she's you know, had you four know, movies to prove yeah, it. Yeah, and she, you know, the, she's not like had any kind of training whatsoever you know and uh, and all this other stuff I just think like in the third one you know, it's not so much if you notice like the further it goes on, it's not so much surrounded about Sydney. I mean, it is. Everybody's always after Sydney, always you know, killing Sydney's, but you know, what what makes these movies great, and especially the third one is that it really starts you start getting into like Gale and Dewey's relationship, which I'm saying is the most annoying thing about the whole of the movies. Their actual relationship. You don't like their relationship. I don't I don't. Do you think I think it's unrealistic she would be with him. Cuz he's kind of a nerd. No, because dude. because he saved her, he saved her life on on more than one occasion. Okay, but do you think she would normally go for somebody like? Well, obviously if she would normally never, go. Yeah, but. if he had never saved her life, then yes, or right, then no, then I, I can't see them ever getting together. But the fact that he saved her life, you know, it's it's one of those things where I'm sure there's some. But there's a lot of psychological storytelling uh, where. Things like that happen. Yeah, but that's—I mean, we we also know that storytelling that doesn't not happen in real life. Eh, Maybe not. Yeah, you you never know. There maybe there's the rare case when somebody's brought together. With somebody else who saved them that they would yeah. normally never be in a relationship but, with, but I mean that's good storytelling yeah. right there. And the third one, that's that's kind of what I liked on the third one. I mean they were just kind of souring on theory. each other. Would would Leonard or would Penny ever be with no, somebody like Leonard? Absolutely not. Never. never. But it's the experiences that they've shared yes. over a few yes. years. Which plus which I, gives them I what, mean, they, which is what I hate about Chuck <laughs> and giving her a snowflake. Come and, on, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, from that's beyond. Ball. But that's why I didn't like about Chuck is like you could say that oh they can refall in love with each other, but it was the experiences they had for nine seasons or however long it was. Anyways, we're gonna get into Chuck. I don't yeah. want to get into Chuck, um, but. but but I thought I thought the the best part, you know, it, it stop. it really stops after the first one and somewhat on the second one, after the second one, kind of. But like the third and fourth one, it starts not being so much about Sydney. It just starts being about more of the characters that are around her. You know, like with the or third the one, it's a lot... The killer. Yeah, the killer. And like the third one is a lot more to do Maureen. with Dewey and, 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 and... It was more about Maureen. Yeah, yeah, but Maureen, the, the right, right. but Maureen... And investigating the... Right, right. But it wasn't fully surrounded. I mean, yeah, everybody ends up just wanting was to get to Sydney. Lot. Yeah, they yeah. want to get to Sydney. That's just how it, everything ends up... Going and we, I realize that you know, but in the long run, in and the it, third one, it's just the the way that it's it's unique because it was like you said, you know, wasn't directed by Williams and, and they so. brought it. There, you mean Wes Craven? Yeah, you mean it wasn't written by Kevin <laughs> Williams? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they brought in McDreamy, uh, tried to put some emphasis on him, tried to make him. As soon as they brought I, I him I thought in, it at first. I didn't. I didn't. As soon as, as they brought first. him in and I saw what they were trying to do, I was like, yeah, he's definitely not the killer. Yeah, you finally realize he's just kind of an idiot, really. I mean, he, yeah, he really doesn't solve any. If you notice, he does not solve anything or does anything. Yeah, in the whole and not movie. only that, but he, they lay it on so thick. Yeah. So oh, the, yeah. The So the, with the whole he's like I just uh, the only thing I know about uh, horror movies is in the third trilogies is in the third one yeah. slow pause I know. he looks up to her creepily I know. you know anything goes I know. you know it's just like okay really and I felt in the third one in this third one that they really tried to like throw in every single name and every single character into the hat on who the killer could be where the first two was kind of like okay well you know it can only be a, uh, you know, one of these characters. Well, what I th- I Second did one, like one that, of these though. characters. Yeah, no, I did too. I'm, I'm thought not saying was, I disliked it. I thought it was interesting that that that. Okay, how are we gonna? Because each movie you have to think. Okay, how are we gonna keep them guessing? How are we not gonna? So okay, this is obviously the person. Yeah. Or if it's not like, well, how is it this other person? Yeah. I think that they, you know they have to come up with a new way to do that, a fresh way to do that every yeah. movie. And I think in the third, maybe they did a pretty good job, you know, basing it off of. You know, I mean, they didn't. You, made made you in think it was Sydney there for a second? Well, yeah, I mean, like as you know, in Hollywood, scripts get changed all the time, yep. and and as we found out from the last Star Wars movie, yeah. they you know she didn't even know it was Palpatine was going to be her grandfather or whatever. Yeah. Halfway through the movie, they yeah. they still weren't sure. Yeah, so I mean, scripts change so much that it was an interesting like well who's gonna die and there's three different versions of the scripts and in each version three different people are next to die yeah so you have all the these. same same people die in the in every single script the the original people that already have died died all the exact uh, same order you know except for then it was who was it was Gail was gonna die next or, or whoever else was gonna die next but um, they were able to figure out which script it was by who was gonna actually you know die at that, that point but You know, like you thought it was maybe the old man, you know, the producer or or even for a split second, maybe it might be Sydney or it might be, you know, one of the main characters that they're just throwing us like a super crazy loop for. But, uh, you know, I I did. I I love that movie. I thought the third one was the greatest one. Um, now, bringing in Jay and Silent Bob was kind of just really random. Oh, uh, Yeah, and they were in the same scene as Wes Craven and his director of photography, his DP. Yeah, both them were in that same scene with with Jay and Silent. They were right behind Jay and Silent Bob. You could see him, but I mean, you really can't get any more random than that. It's <laughs> it's stupid. It's I don't know if that was a. I thought it was funny, but it was still. Random. I don't know if that was a studio decision. I don't. I don't think it was because Wes Craven was actually in the scene, but. Yeah. I don't know maybe they felt that they needed more hollywood and at that time jay and silent bob were popular whatever it was stupid i i, I wish that they that we could have just you know a certain cut that will cut that out but yeah but this third <laughs> the movie, non-jane silent bob cut exactly what i like about these movies is that they have um they have a rewatchability ability where if you go back you you can see the clues that they're throwing yeah. at you you yeah. know in the first one it was completely obvious i mean they were telling you the entire time that Billy was a killer, but that was because at that time, nobody knew that there would be a second killer because yeah. it was the first time it was done. So Stu was the the surprise, even though they still tried to throw you off of Billy and then throw you back on to Billy. You know, the whole, you know, don't fear the Reaper when she's making out with him and him doing the talking about the scary movies. And he's always doing film references and everything. So, I mean, there's that. Uh, part three, um, you know, you have these different switch chain, uh, the the script changes. So there was heavy on, well, who's going to die in the script versus who's going to die in the yeah. movie. So there's heavy, you know, uh, clues that, OK, this the director of the movie is in control of the, You know, so yeah. it's the director of what's going on right now. And in the last movie, there are things like when um, when Kirby says to Jill, like, you know, uh, promise me. Promise you won't kill me before you get in the car. You know, a little saying to Jill Promise yeah. you won't kill me. You know, I actually <laughs> thought Kirby when I first watched that movie. I thought Kirby was one of the killers. I like, thought I thought that. I she thought her and Emma Roberts were like the two female characters. You know, they're trying to switch it up and make because you know, she was very enigmatic. She was. She was. She, she was. Yeah. She wasn't just a f- a fade into the background, blend into the background type of character. Hayden Panettiere's up in your face. You yeah, know. and she's got this attitude, <clears throat> and especially with that character and with the new haircut she had yeah. and all this kind of stuff. You know, she, 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 yeah, it definitely kind of threw you for a loop, especially how knowledgeable she was yeah. on horror movies and everything. But, but, but if you also, if you look at, here's the thing: if you base it, and they've been teaching Sorry. us this since. Go ahead. Uh, I just wanted to say, yeah, the point I was getting through with all that, with you can go back and watch and get little signs. When you do that with part two, you don't really get that. Like you see. Debbie Salt walking away before something will happen. And you see that Mickey's not there when certain things happen and everything like that. But there's nothing, not that I can remember at least, that it can be like, oh, that's a little nudge right there that you would only get if you've already seen the movie and know that they're the killer. You know, like all the things that we've described. You're talking about part two, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, that's why I was saying with Laurie Metcalf's uh, character it was just really obvious something was up with her. I mean, she was just kinda in your face and, and it didn't seem like it was that type of movie where they were like, Hey, we're gonna add in just another random character, an older lady that's a journalist, you know? It's like, no, that doesn't make any sense, you know. So I knew something was up with her and I knew she had she had to have something to do with it because she was just really weird character and then like with that fourth one you would think that, you know, yeah, we thought it was Kirby was one of the killers too. Um But you know, I almost felt like I knew it was her niece because her niece, like you bring in a family member, you know, and who's part of this world and has grown up knowing that her cousin and her aunt are, you know, have this huge nationwide know who they are kind of thing, you know, and, and you kind of feel like Emma Roberts was very, she didn't really play like much of a role in the in the movie, you know. Like like she till the end, you know, when you find out she's a killer, and then she ends up, you know. And that should have been one of those clues, yeah. because really she doesn't. The only thing that she's a part of <clears throat> is during one of the first attacks um, when they come into their house and uh, she gets her arm cut, right? Yeah. So she had to be a victim, right? Yeah, and and, and so. But that was really the only time that she's around for Eddie. So that should have been a sign like, okay, why isn't, if she's supposed to be the new Sydney and she was, why isn't she playing a bigger role? Right. The movie was marketed like she was going to be the one to take over the reins from Sydney. Uh, And that's the twist. eh? I'm glad they did that because you you think, okay, now it's been how many years had it been since the previous Scream, like 10, 15 years. So how do we bring this back and still make it an original idea? Oh, okay, you hand well, the reins over. <laughs> yeah, you hand the reins over to somebody, or you you show that this person is going to be the new Sydney. You twist it up, and that's actually the ghost face and it's still Sydney's. Yeah. Th- still the same yeah. Sydney, you know. Yeah. So it's it was it, intru- it might have been better if if Kirby, you know, uh, Hayden Panettiere's character would have somehow like ended up taking over that role in a way. You know what I mean? And like, they're, they're saying that there, it could be in part five. Maybe she'll come back because um, – Was she killed? I'm trying to think. Was she was She, she, was, she was stabbed two or three times by Charlie. Um, That's right. And Because remember, he's like, you know, now you like me. We yeah. spent four years yeah. and all – now you like me. But she dropped, and she was in, like, her own blood there and everything. But she was still moving. And apparently, Wes, Wes Craven left that part in there where she was still moving – as something to say well maybe she'll be yeah. brought back I mean um. I should I could see her being taking over because she'd be a more enigmatic kind of um, character take on Sydney I guess you know like like I think she would she would have done a better yeah. role being a lot more outgoing and talking you know, about cause, kirby yeah yeah because i mean you know nev campbell it's after the first one she just went into hiding well I mean, wes craven he set it up he set that last movie up to where jill and kirby could come back because uh kirby he apparently he left that intentionally in there to, to that's the last time we saw her was her on yeah. the ground going oh we never actually see her go. Yeah. you know just die off yeah we see her in the process of dying but we never actually it's one of those rare cases where we never actually see her die yeah which has happened to Dewey and Randy, yeah. you know, and they survived. And so Dave maybe Campbell, I mean she got exactly. stabbed twice at the end of that movie. So still she might be alive. like and Jill is the only main 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 killer to not be shot in the head point blank range. True. You know, Billy Loomis was shot in the head. Uh, Debbie was shot in the head. Yeah. Mickey was shot a bunch of times. Yeah. Roman, um, Roman. Roman was shot in the head yeah. by by Dewey. You know, so everybody's been shot in the head. Now you got the tertiary ki- uh, tertiary care- killers like uh, you know Stew and your Mickey yeah. and uh, Charlie who just got stabbed. I mean Mickey, yeah. he, he's he's done. But you know, it left it open so those two other characters could come back. I felt like part four was a movie of cameos. Yeah, well, it was it was borderline horrible. Like borderline, almost as far as the cameos go. Well, that, but just the movie in general. I think I think it got so close; yes. it was teetering on the edge of whether or not it was going to be is, an extremely horrible movie. Do you think this was worse than part two? Yeah, I have. Well, yes and no. I mean, part part two is a little bit more jokingly. Where part four what is a do do lot enjoy more darker. More, I guess maybe not saying objectively. What do, part do you four, enjoy watching? Part more? four. Yeah. So I mean, you could say you know, Part Two is closer to the Scream as we know it, whereas Part Four is trying to reinvent. So maybe you like it, maybe you won't. Yeah, I, I like I like Emma. To be honest with you, I like Emma Roberts in these roles. That's and what your daughter. Yeah, saying. American Horror Story. She does excellent role in that. I mean, when when she plays that that villain slash hero kind She's of in Scream Queens too, isn't she? Yeah, and, and and she always plays like kind of like a like. She's just a total Your daughter said she's bee-a? always trying to she's always a bee that's trying to be famous. Yes, yes, she's she's always a bee, bee trying to be famous movie. or she's always a, a bee that that ba- yeah, the yeah, bee that's that lives weird. in an apartment see? Yeah, that's now that I think about it, it is like same thing with uh <clears throat> yeah. Yep. That's and what, Scream that's what and mentioned. for American Horror Story it was the same situation. Yeah. So, it was I don't know. It I, they had all these cameos, right? So you start off, it had Lucy Hale, and I can't remember what the other girl's name was. That was the movie, inside the movie. Yeah. And then the movie had Anna Paquin and Kristen Bell. Yeah. And then the actual real life... You had the blonde girl from... Uh she was in uh, uh, Britt Robertson is her name she was in the dome and uh, in in uh, the co- not the Covenant that one witch one that she, was on CW uh, what was it called I don't know I don't the wife that. loved it I don't watch that stuff but you know it, Britt Robertson is the name she was in the dome and then you know of course then you have all your main actors but then you have Seth Cohen as a cop you know uh, I don't even know I can't remember you what the fourth his, one? what's his yeah. real name I always call him Seth Adam, Cohen Adam, Adam Brody that's yeah. it yeah uh, and uh, you have Anthony Anderson. You have um, uh, Marley. Marley Shelton is that her name? I can't remember. Yeah, as, as the the deputy chick who made the lemon bars. Oh yeah, and, you know that, that, I think that, that was another one of those characters. That, like he has in every single one of those screen movies, they're thrown in a certain character. That you you kind of be like, okay, is this person stupid or dumb? Like or? when she was standing in the dark and she's like, I was just yeah. checking on her. Yeah, well, and she's like, <laughs> like, Why? This isn't even creepy. You're trying to make it creepy. I know. It's, it's not, just like just like, just like just a weird. random random character that you know whether or not they die or not. Like you know, it's kind of like Rosemary. No, <sighs> I think that was the worst fake fake out with her. They're they're trying to frame it as that blonde yeah, deputy I is. I think that because she would stand in the dark. I'm like, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Yeah, right, don't buy it. Uh, but uh, you know, besides that, you know you also have um, uh, who's the girl from community? Uh, oh yeah, Ali uh, uh, Allison Bree. Allison Bree. yeah yeah. Uh, she was in it, and then uh, who else was there? There's got to be more cameos It's hard to that. see her in, in anything but, besides community, to be honest with the Allison Brie. Yeah, it's extremely hard. She got that movie, that show Glow on Netflix. So the guy who played the other film nerd, what was his name? Oh, um, not Charlie, but anyways, the guy that had the video camera on his head, he was from Jericho. He played the kid in Jericho, which is also where Skeet Ulrich, who was Billy Loomis. He he was also in, but, um, we didn't say much. Uh, we didn't get uh, too much into three, uh, part two, uh, Matthew Lillard was in part two. Um, did you know about that? So at the time he was dating Nev Campbell and, uh, so he was visiting the set and, you know, seeing her and seeing some of the older, you know, like, you know, David Arquette and Courtney Cox and stuff like that. So he was visiting the set and he's actually in one of the scenes in part two. He's in the party that they're having at the frat house. Mm-hmm. He's in one of the back. He has very light blonde hair. I think it was from Star Commander. What was that commander that he was in with, with Freddie Prince Jr.? Yeah, he was in a lot of movies with Freddie Prince. Yeah, Jr. Yeah, but what was that one that, that one yeah, I know what you're saying. It's like Star Commander. Anyways, like he that. had like bleach blonde hair yeah. and everything, but... You can see him in the background there. Um, part three, you know, you had McDreamy. He was probably my least favorite part or my least favorite character in, like, the entire series. I didn't like Kincaid. Or Cotton went out in that one. I love Cotton Weary's— uh, Randy and went out Driver. in the second one. <laughs> so, basically, by, by the time we hit fourth, we, we literally only have three characters left, right? Well, I mean, you think about it—I uh, think I told Keeley this— Every movie ends with uh, the three main characters and an extra and a spare, you know. So you have the first movie. You had Courtney Cox, David Arquette, Nev Campbell, and Randy. Randy was the extra. In part two, uh, you had um, Cotton Weary was the extra, left over. You know, out well, of the cast there. Well you still had you did still have the main three plus Randy plus Cotton Weary on that one. Yeah, but Cotton Weary wasn't in the first one. He was like in a news clip or whatever. Yeah. But he wasn't part of the main cast. I'm talking about out of the main cast, you always have the three left over plus one extra, one spare. So in the first movie it was Randy, in the second movie it was Cotton Weary. Uh in the third movie it was Kincaid. And in the fourth movie Which i uh, never see him. But I mean that, that movie's what, like what, ten years, years later? Um, Might have been Kirby if she's still alive, yeah. but everybody else died. Oh, what did you think of the Billy Loomis replacement? I I, I think I had a couple notes on on part four. Uh, his name was Trevor. He played uh, Joe Roberts' boyfriend. Good gosh! I don't I don't know. It's uh, I don't know if it's just this new generation or what, but I looked at all these kids in in the school and I'm like I wouldn't be scared of one person here. Even when I was in school. Um, It's just, I I thought the whole Trevor thing is again, you know, they're trying to make you think that he is maybe a murderer. But I mean, seriously, at the first five minutes of meeting this character, you're like, he's an idiot. There's no way that he's a murderer. He's not intimidating. No, he's not. And he just keeps popping up just randomly. And it's like, okay, we get it. You're trying to tell us something that he might be a murderer, he might be a killer. And, you know, and, and, but, you know, at the end, you do kind of realize why he's around because they want to blame him for everything. And the fact that her, her, yeah. Oh, well, you didn't grow up in this family. No, I'm pretty sure you did not get affected by anything that your cousin... Yeah, okay, people might have known that was your cousin. If anything, that would have made you popular. But her reasoning behind being a killer on the fourth one was... It was a little shaky, but I mean, you broke up with me, so I'm going to blame you for murder. Yeah, I think that was just an excuse. I think she was already going down that rabbit hole from from a while ago. And, uh, you know, it's... I don't know if anybody really, uh, any of them really have convincing reasons why they went a certain way. Um, I'd say, you know, Billy and Stu's are probably the most believable. Uh, maybe not even Stu, but I always wonder how, you know, you got the the person with the plan, Billy Loomis, Mrs. Loomis, obviously three doesn't count, and Jill Roberts. They're the ones with the plan. How do you get a Stu? How do you get a Mickey? How do you get a Charlie? Um, how do you get these people... You know, I wonder what that conversation is. You know, like uh, do you do you start out saying, "Hey, do you have you ever wanted to kill anybody?" You know, like how do you, how would the how would Stu have that or how would Billy have that conversation with Stu? How would you know this person? I obviously the the Mrs. Well, Loomis went online. I mean, online to I mean it goes in effect of like you go to I mean, the Columbine kids. Who's you know monitoring I mean? those websites that I, Mrs. Loomis found Mickey on? But you know what I'm saying? It's like it's you know you run into these. There's evil people in the world. You know what I mean and and all it takes is just you know one glimpse of another person's evil i think to connect them, maybe maybe you know? maybe a psychopath is very um, very Intuned attuned to, to find other psychopaths a person's nature yeah. and you know so maybe that's it but um, your your least favorite movie of the series uh it's probably not one it's probably going to be my least favorite uh as far as keeping with the originality, it would have to be four. But as far as in general, probably th- uh, two is my least favorite. Yeah, I, I've I've never liked two, and I've always liked three. Um, and this t- last time I've watched it, I liked two a lot more than I had before, and I liked three a little less than I have before. Maybe I was actually evaluating them uh, for their their cinematic merits or whatever. But um, I just wanted Randy to live the entire time. Yeah. Like, Jamie Kennedy, like, I liked his character. I liked the Randy character. He even helped him in the third one. I just wanted him to, you know, I thought it would have been awesome if he, because it would have shown that his knowledge, like, he's on the total op- opposite spectrum as, as Billy was, where, you know, he's trying to survive a horror movie where Billy is trying to cause a horror movie you know yeah, what I mean so it, conduct a horror y- movie yeah and for for Randy to live you know it just goes to show that Randy sticks by his rules you yeah, know but by college and, he'd probably lost his virginity by then and so he lost his innocence of that no he, he had said he, in he the did first remember in the, in the video that they watched on the third one he mentioned her yeah but he mentioned he wanted to be with a certain but he never said that that was his first or whatever but I don't know it's I think that two needed as much weight as you could get to to for it to uh be impactful and for it to mean something and so they had to kill somebody off and they're not going to kill off dewey and gail obviously they're not going to kill off sydney um so sid uh, so randy was the the next one they they needed some kind of weight, and and i i i would wish he would have been alive but then they should have killed off gail i'm sorry but they should have killed her off because like, her character is kind of annoying more than anything. I mean, again, you know, I, I do say that, you know, she was the the one that always needed redemption. But it came to a certain point where, you know, like, people, that's the point they were trying to make in these movies is that you do stupid things, you get stupid prizes. You know what I mean? It's like, you don't follow the rules of scary movies, then you get dead. You know? And she constantly did not follow the rules. You know what I mean? Yeah, but then I don't think... I don't know if you'd have as good a driving force for Dewey because... Well, he saw Sydney as a sister and he'd always be saving, or at least, you know, being there to help fight, um, he was mainly, you know, there for Gail. Like in, in the first one, it was just whatever, and he was flirting with her a lot. But uh, in the second one, you know, he was with Gail. In the third one, he was with Gail. And in the last one, he was, you know, pretty much with Gail. So it, I don't know, it just, it's. I don't know if you could get rid of her. I think Randy as much as it sucked, uh, I was kinda glad it happened because it added uh some seriousness to it because up to that point in the movie I was just kinda like not really checked into it. But as soon as Randy dies, then you go, Oh, okay, it was something, you know, this is this is serious now. Um, you know, certain people can die, so now you start paying attention a little bit more. I did like two a lot more than I have in the past, and I know there's huge fans of it. Um I just I, I didn't like the killers that much, and that's me. I'm a huge Raylan fan and Justified, and I like Timothy Oliphant. He was not good in this role, and uh, Lori Metcalf she did as good as she can. She's a great actress and everything, but it, it just it seemed weird to me. I, I don't know if I could have written a better sequel to one of the most iconic horror movies of all time, but. Um, you know, for what they had, I, th- I think they did an all right job. So, did you have anything else to say about these movies? No, not really. I mean, I, it just again, it just shows to the genius of uh, Wes Craven, you know, to cre- create the characters that he does. You know, I mean, he's, he's up there with James Cameron and Steven Spielberg and uh, George Lucas and stuff. He needs to be—I mean, he's in his own category because, I mean, he's— the king of skipping, horror. of horror he's like know? the Spielberg of horror yeah yeah, he's the Spielberg of horror but he he deservedly needs to be up there with those great directors because he, he it's just phenomenal ideas and again I am biased because you know my, my favorite ones are, are the Nightmare on M Streets, but but in, in general I mean nobody can deny that you know I mean I mean yeah you got Carpenter things like that the, those certain directors that you know yeah but, but John Carpenter I mean he did there was a lot of Halloween movies but he was only involved in two of them yeah you but I mean know, you know a lot of other movies he did you know were, were just really great, but again, you know the quality with with Wes Craven is just phenomenal. so yeah he definitely knows how to put you on the edge of your seat. Um, sometimes he's restricted by the story, uh, but for the most part, he knows how to uh, make you bite your fingernails and keep you on the edge of your street, on your, your your seat. Do you remember the first time we watched this? We were actually in uh in Alvord, Texas um when we watched it with lucas really I, I well the first one because I, I, I swear it was in high school and, well i mean we had watched it in the th- but th- this is like the first time it came out on video we were watching it at home we watched it over at you no, know with lucas okay. and uh you know obviously you know they weren't even allowed to watch the simpsons so yeah that was interesting but i mean i, I remember yeah because this is great movies though yeah, it started. It did start uh, uh, that type of revolution for that type of movie. So it really did. It really it revolutionized. It revolutionized uh, this type of movie, the the slasher film. You know, for for good or for bad. Um, and we don't see anything like it nowadays. Even the, the new, newer Scream um, is not quite like it was in the past. I can't bring myself to watch the television show, to be honest with you. I've I've saw the first half. Of the first episode of the first season. Yeah. And I was like, okay, it's just going to be like a CW drama with mm-hmm. Killing in it, and and I'm not about that. I was, well, it's even worse. And they it's changed, an MTV drama. Exactly. They changed the mask. They changed the voice. I don't even know if there was a voice. I think in the third season, they said they brought back the original mask, and the original guy that did the voice came back. But even so, I'm, I'm like, eh, yeah, I'm good. But... Anyways, uh, we really uh, we really enjoy these movies. Uh, definitely give them a watch. Um, uh, we we think that you'll really enjoy them. Um, all four of them they're they're a, a, a good set of movies. Uh, you know, the first few are are a little older, but you know they're still worth the watch. So uh, definitely give them a chance, especially the first one. It's one of the most iconic opening scenes, one of the most iconic scary movies of all time. Uh, please go watch it. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us. <coughs> We are on uh, Twitter at uh, the Post Credit. Uh We're also on Instagram and Facebook at the Postcredit Podcast and our email is the at gmail.com. Uh, we also have a website now. Um, we're uh, uh, www.thepostcreditpodcast.com. Uh, you can contact us through there if you want to get a hold of us through an email or just send us a message. Uh, we have a bunch of, we have a few pictures and some about us uh, so you can get on there and uh, check, check it out. See what you think um, and uh, contact us if you need to. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening and uh, we'll see you next time. Throw me a bone.